Seems our friend T-Bird won't be joining us this evening. On account of a slight case of death. Wanna sit down? Uh, hey, you! Huh? What's your name? Skank! You don't feel that? I feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. <laughs> I feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. Well, boy, your mama must be damn proud of you. Hell, that thing get in here. I see you have made your decision. Now let's see you enforce it. Ah, oh, this is already boring the shit out of me. Kill him! And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. And I'm Liam. And we are in studio, Liam, Woo-hoo! for the first time in... 14 weeks? 14, 14, something like that. Yeah, 14, 15. Because what episode are we on now, Liam? Uh, 19. We are on episode 19. Yeah! <laughs> when he's in house. I promise. I don't I don't have 19s written all over. No, 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 19. <laughs> the average age was in the 19. <laughs> A nice stutter rap there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I promise you we don't have that here, but uh, it is uh, episode 19, and we are, guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Podcast back. Tell a friend. Um, and so, yeah, we are a meter apart, or so, so on and so forth, you know, I've got a pop filter in front of my face to ensure <laughs> that we're all right. Uh, it's just, it's good to see people again. Can I just... Absolutely. Let's go ahead and say that. So we are gathered here today to talk about the 1994 film, The Crow, starring Brandon Lee. And I I, I accentuate Brandon Lee because I made the mistake of calling him Jason just before we started recording. (laughs) Please don't turn off the podcast. I promise it'll get better. (laughs) And usually at this time, we let the perma guests introduce themselves. So let's go ahead and do that. Hi, I'm Ellie. And Georgia is away again. Georgia is, uh, we're not booing Georgia. We're booing the circumstances. Booing the situation. Maybe we're booing. No, we're not booing Georgia. (laughs) We're not booing Georgia. We miss Georgia. Uh, Georgia's doing her very cool outdoorsy kind of job thing today and uh, decided to take a pass on The Crow. Now, if I'm being honest, Liam, I've never seen The Crow. Ellie, you've never seen The Crow, right? I haven't. But but Liam, this was your choice. Can you tell us, what was it about The Crow? Uh, mainly, I was a big Bruce Lee fan back in the day, and uh, I knew a lot about Brandon, and this was his breakout movie that was supposed to make him somebody. Now, for those who are listening, Brandon is the, how's Brandon Lee really, sort of related to Bruce Lee? He's the son of Bruce Lee. Okay. So, yeah, and then when you find out he died on set, and there was a lot of controversy at the time, um, I was only 14, and I was thinking, oh my God, what do you mean he's died? You know, his dad died, he died. This is all weird and everything else. And then you weren't sure the film was going to be made. They were supposed to make him. And, uh, yeah, when it was finally released, uh, it was just one of these films that just called to me. It's got so much heart, so much feel to it, so much depth. Um, maybe I'm looking with biased eyes. I don't know. But as an adult, I can still watch this film over and over and over again. But 
none of the other Corey movies. <laughs> See, <laughs> there is that. Just putting that out there. <laughs> See, this is really weird because it, it, this should hit that nostalgic sweet spot for people of our generation. Yeah. And I've just, I've just never seen it. And I think as the more time went on, I just, if, if I'm being honest, if you hadn't picked this, I don't know if I ever see the the crow in, in, in my lifetime. I don't know if that actually happens. Well, I think it didn't have a big release at the time. Um, but over the years, it's become a cult classic. Mm-hmm. You know how things don't always do well at the box office, but later on VHS and DVD, they all become... Yeah, it's quite similar to when we talked about Fight Club, which which didn't yeah. do very well at the box office, but became this giant hit. And I think The Crow was one of those things, especially with the urban legend of what happens to exactly. to to Brandon Lee. I almost said Jason Lee again. <laughs> of what happens to Brandon Lee? I think it's one of those things that feels like it has this uh, mark or this curse or something, um, which probably is part of the reason why they make those sequels and try and cash in on the on the name The Crow in in subsequent movies. They didn't capture the same same feel to them yeah you know i mean i remember watching the one with Edward furlong and dennis hopper i don't know if that's the fourth one third one i don't know sixth seventh eighth i don't know edward um, furlong is he the young man from terminator 2 yeah okay now edward furlong great actor dennis hopper great actor dennis hopper's great yeah that film seriously i watched that and said i've wasted my life well hopefully not all of it and i'm not gonna <laughs> watch it again ever <laughs> it is dire uh so, but back to the one that we do want to talk about, which we haven't seen yet. We're back to the old format. We're going to talk about it. We're going to watch it. And then we're going to come yeah, back. Um, you know, fairly well regarded. I mean, 7.6 on the old IMDb and 82% on the old Rotten Tomatoes, as we would say in my country, tomatoes. or Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> as you would say in yours. And, um, you know, out of a $15 million budget, it made 50 mil in the US. So, I mean, it, it does all right. And yeah. plus, and, that, and that's, that's before you bring in like home, home video and all that yeah. stuff into it, which was, I mean, those, those were huge days. I mean, in the mid nineties, this is the height of blockbuster video and that whole sort of Absolutely. rental structure. So I'm looking forward to it. I need to, to own this one. I told Liam, get your phone off the table because <laughs> I didn't want it buzzing. And my phone has just gone. <laughs> so that wasn't me folks. With a, with a, with a work ring that is. So. Yeah, I'm very glad. No, hopefully, no audio gremlins this week as a result of the return to the home studio. That'll be I don't studio know. awesome. The studio will save me some time in editing. I'll tell you how much. I'm looking forward to that. And so, hopefully, you can hear me better now. <laughs> yes. Um. Hopefully, geez, if it's any justice. Um. What I was going to finally close with saying was, I saw something that said this is a superhero movie. Would you? No. Is that a term you would? You, no. If you had to, if you had to sort of put it in a in a genre for me before before we go watch it, what genre do you call this film? Uh, film noir. Ooh, a film noir. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a superhero movie. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you talk yourself into it and then talk yourself out of it without using words, which is great for a podcast. <laughs> It's all about the visuals. Um, uh, it's interesting because the, the whole black and white. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of end with, with this as far as, as as I go before we jump in. Uh, I, I know to expect that black and white color motif throughout, and the look of the crow character, which Carl, hello Carl, who's probably not listening to us still. Um, there was a wrestler in the late '90s who came out called Sting. That's right. He was already existing, kind of had like this like flamboyant neon colored face paint. But somewhere in the '90s, late '90s, he changed and he adopted like a, a Jason, a Brandon Lee <laughs> Crow kind of look with the black long hair and the white face paint with black all over it. And so that's what I know this this, this image from. So the iconography of the Crow character has lived in pop culture far beyond. 
the Crow film. So I'm looking forward to this. And I had forgotten, I was saying just before we went on air, but this, that Brandon Lee was the son of, of, of Bruce Lee. I'd kind of like disassociated that because it's weird how the urban legend of, of Brandon Lee lives on its own as well. Yeah. And we'll talk about that, I think, when we come back after, after watching it. So if I had to call my own expectations before we watch this, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like a six. I'm like looking forward to it, but I'm like, I don't really know. It's the first time in a long, in a long time we've done one that I haven't been familiar with. I can't wait to see I think the last, I think the last one I hadn't seen before was Some Like It Hot. So it's been a long time since I've seen one that was, that was, that was brand new, a first watch. Ellie, your, your, your thoughts going in? Um, I'm interested in seeing it because I tend to like sort of the darker films. Or do, the, I don't like, I don't like You do, horror. which is kind of a surprise, yeah. yeah. I don't like horror films, but anything that has sort of a bit of a darker you like undertone that, to it. Because you like Joker like and you like Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. So. Um, really, really liked those films. And I, I mean, I like lots of the jollier ones as well and a good old rom-com and things, but yeah, I like a bit of a grittier film, so it should be interesting to is, see. I think that's a bit of a romantic comedy as well. Ooh. What the crow? Yeah. Okay, let's was... let's leave it on that note. Let's leave it on... <laughs> so Bridget Jones's diary, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sleepless in Seattle, <laughs> The Crow. <laughs> so this could actually become my favorite film. This actually, could be your favorite. But it's one of mine. I love it. All right. So let's. That's a big claim. Let's leave that here, and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead. It'll be uh, it'll be two three hours for us. It'll be the blink of an eye for you and a blink of an ear. I think we used to say, and we will come back and check that out in a bit. So catch you on the flippity flap. And we are back from watching 1994's the crow. Mm -hmm. Definitely a snapshot in time, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before we start with that, I put a, uh, I made a claim last week. On the podcast, and I set up a poll, and I think it's worth going over that. <laughs> um, I famously put on the thing that Jude Law was a more attractive version of Benedict Cumberbatch, and I put up a poll because I thought, <laughs> let's throw out the Twitterverse because they're impartial. There's lots of them. <laughs> Surely there's no way this can be skewed. And then, like, like three Benedict Cumberbatch, like, fan communities got a hold of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, like. I was expecting, usually we get about like 20 to 25 votes on a poll. Um, we got, it was well in excess. I'm just trying to stall a bit as I bring up the uh, the results. It was well over 200 votes on this Whoa. thing. Like people went nuts in like, it was getting retweeted and whatnot. And it was clear, like there were no Jude Law fan groups who were stumbling upon this. It was because I made the mistake of doing hashtag Sherlock. I thought, oh, it'll, 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 draw, oh, some no. att- it'll, it'll draw some attention towards the poll. Yeah. And I thought, well, surely they'll still be objective. No, it became like, Benedict has to win this <laughs> because <laughs> I, because how dare someone sully the name of Benedict Cumberbatch? I really enjoyed looking at sort of the um, the Twitter handles and the descriptions of the people who were, who had actually voted or who who'd, I think it was who'd retweeted it actually. Now we had before you reveal some of those names, we had two hundred and thirty seven votes. Whoa. At one point, it was about fifty five forty five when <laughs> when the numbers were low for for for, for Benedict Cumberbatch. Now I'm going, okay, recency bias. He's the bigger star now. Yeah. Okay, I can understand that. 86% Benedict Cumberbatch, 14% for Jude Law, which means that Jude still got about 35 votes in the end of the day. Doesn't do that. Which was all right if you consider that no fan site was like, <laughs> I, I shouldn't the, hashtag Sherlock. I'm with the Jude Law, Jude Law fans there. But I was also three of those votes, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I abstained from voting, but yes. Yeah. That's funny. So yeah, uh, I got... 
I kind of got a little look at who's who some of the people were who'd retweeted it. And um, we've got um, at Tavriani, whose uh, tagline is, I'm absolutely Sherlock. I adore Benedict Cumberbatch and I love Britain. Now, I'm thinking probably not an impartial voter on that one. <laughs> probably not, no. <laughs> um, See, you don't have to be a sleuth to figure that out. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we've got a few who've just kind of mentioned benedict cumberbatch in their little bio okay there's a there's someone called uh i don't know whether it's d melian or dmle on um but she uh they refer to themselves as a cumberologist a cumberologist i don't believe that's the love of cucumbers i imagine <laughs> you never know maybe it's like it's where those two like a venn diagram where like i like benedict cumberbatch i like cucumbers i am a cumberologist because i appreciate both these things um We've got got one one uh, Twitter handle S two Artka, and they are referring to themselves as Cumber Collective all the way. Again, maybe the same thing. Maybe it's a cucumber uh, better than Cumberbatch duality. And then we've got two delightful accounts. One called Benedict Cumberbatch's hair, which I <laughs> believe fair, has Ju- quite a following. To be fair, Jude Law's hair would not have quite the following because <laughs> it's it's <laughs> no, receding. It's receding. <laughs> Real bad. Um, Sorry, Jude. And then that's my- like his score in the poll. My favourite account to retweet this is at Cumberporn. At Cumberporn. I, I really hope that is about Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> so, um, thank you very much for voting, guys. Thank yeah, you very thank much you. for for hijacking the poll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We definitely have to let them know that we talked about them, I think, on the app. Um, okay, so The Crow, uh, which we got to watch in glorious 4-3, not widescreen aspect ratio. That was weird. It was. I kept going like, I just want something to fill like the 15% of the screen on both sides, on the left and the right, because I, I just don't like this. And also felt like you was watching it through video, not DVD. Well, like like a VHS tape. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 of its time, you know. It took me it, talk about film of its time. Like it took me back to the nineties yeah. and watching just you know. It's, how did we, I guess we put up with this because we didn't have widescreen TVs? Is that is that literally why just films of the time were were made to fit the smaller TVs? When TV you used to get when you used to get a VHS tape for something like Blockbuster, you'd put it in and it would say uh, it would always say almost the same thing. You put it in. This film has been modified from its theatrical release. It has been um, modified to fit your screen. Oh, so it's actually been shrunk. Yeah, because they, they're ah. basically they're, they're chopping off. So part of the thing was, if you look at old Friends, because Friends was obviously shot with the intent of it being a traditional um, 4 by 3 kind of CRT to television screen. And now because uh, for the longest time they'd release it on DVD and you just have the two black bars on the side. But eventually they, I guess they still shoot it with like extra frame length on the sides. So now you can see things. There's like extras who are like like when when like Jennifer Anderson's gone off for a walk and like she's got like a stunt double stunt double but she's got like a double <laughs> <laughs> sitting there for her. You can now see who this person is in some shots because they were never intending you were you were never supposed to see that extra ten percent of the screen on that side. <laughs> but people were tired of the black bars and they went with 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 reruns being released to things like the Comedy Network. Are you going to stop and watch the comedy? Like are you going to stop and watch black bars? No, it looks like I'm back in the 1990s. I want to yeah. watch proper full screen, but you can't just stretch it. No, because that's weird. Yeah, so uh, on this side today, we did we we sat through the black bars, which yeah. is funny because the menus that I can see right now, even <laughs> it's it's glorious full screen, isn't it? No, oh no, it's not. It's the black bars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem with my aspect ratio. I'm very much on an angle with it. So I felt like it. You got used to it though. It was obvious. Oh, it, it was start. It was an ongoing thing. It was just it was like oh, yeah. quaint. <laughs> um, the Crow, based off of a um, comic book series by James 
O'Barr? James O'Barr, yeah. Yeah, and J- Liam, you had some information about James O'Barr. Yeah, he created the crow in the image that was not himself. It was the total opposite. And it was a way of dealing with the death of his girlfriend, I believe, at the time. Who, I mean, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm only going by past memory from years back. But I believe she was killed by a drunk driver. Cool. And uh, he found it hard to deal with. So by writing a comic um, in the image of that it's not himself, but about him and about getting back to her and feeling connected to her, um, was therapeutic towards him. Um, and then it became this big, big thing. They were also engaged. Oh, engaged. wow. So um, I know that he did not want um, Brandon Lee as his as as, as a lead it was one of those situations where they go no i don't believe it and then it wasn't until he stopped by the set and he heard him like doing like lines verbatim from the comic that he went oh wow okay yeah this guy actually kind of works when they saw him in the full getup, he went okay yeah. fair enough but at the time he was not he was not a fan and at the time it's interesting this was originally greenlit by paramount pictures not by miramax oh, okay. and paramount pictures had this sort of uh earmarked for a direct-to-video release and not a theatrical release at which point i went Oh, and it explained a lot of the notes I've been taking to this point <laughs> in the film. And the budget. <laughs> and, the, and the budget, actually, because the budget gets significantly increased once Miramax comes. Originally, it's only like $8 million. Oh, really? Yeah, and they added a bunch on the back end once they decided they were going to go theatrical with it. They never knew none of this. And the reason why they decided to go theatrical and why Paramount bailed is all around the, the, the death of Brandon Lee. So when Brandon Lee dies, Paramount goes, we're out. We're out. We can't. It's, it's too violent of a movie to have a film where the guy dies from a real gunshot. We, we, we don't want to make money off this. And then Miramax went, We will. Hello. <laughs> and you know what? Well, we won't just release it. We'll put it in the theaters. <laughs> Whereas we said it made, from, it made $50 million in the U.S. off a $15 million budget. So yeah. it was a sleeper hit. So it, it's a really... And I just wonder how much of that was people going, I imagine a large part of it was people going, oh, I hear he died during the movie. Like that morbid curiosity, especially about a Maybe, film yeah. that deals with death and, yeah. and the afterlife yeah. and coming back from the dead. It's very surreal. But it's even now surreal. watching it, we were going, oh, I wonder if this is the scene where he got shot. Because yeah. we, didn't, we didn't know until you'd uh, done your research and afterwards. Yeah, because I went 100% sure myself. And we actually also watched a, um, an interview <laughs> which Miramax pumped in here as his last ever exclusive interview. And I'm like, you don't really need to be selling it like this. You could just have an interview with, with um, Brandon, Lee. Brandon Lee. I keep, I keep stumbling <laughs> over his name. It's just a star. And um, he st- opens it. It's the only note I took during it was, I don't know if I was destined to play this role. And I'm like, oh, geez, that, 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 that's a bit hard in hindsight. I it? think he then said, or if I was just lucky. <sighs> and it was like, oh. It is one of those things. But what a lasting legacy he's left. Yeah, there, there is that. And so it was directed by Alex Proyas. This was his feature film debut. And I'm going to argue, I think it shows. Yeah. Um, and the director of cinematography, and I actually like some of the cinematography, and I think you did as well, Liam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darius Wolski was, was his name. So um, interesting uh, sort of stuff. Um, I think we have to start by talking about the events of March 31st, 93, which is when the day that Brandon Lee dies. Yeah. And they're shooting a scene. And what had happened is earlier, they had done a shot where literally the gun had to fire. And traditionally what you would do is you would buy, uh, you would get dummy cartridges, they're called. And, sorry, what are you showing me? Fact check corner. It wasn't his directorial debut. Maybe his theatrical directorial debut? 
on Wikipedia. That uh, excellent source, it says, directorial, directorial debut for Spirits of the Air, Gremlins of the Clouds in 1988. I'm going to argue that those two never made it to the theatre, therefore my statement of theatrical debut still holds water. Okay. Have a look, see, see, see if it holds yes. up. And so, um, so we have dummy cartridges in these things. And traditionally, you would go and you would buy proper dummy cartridges. However, because they were so low on budget and behind on time, they manufactured their own dummy cartridge oh by taking the bullet out of the casing. But there was something in it called, and I want to make sure I get this right here. It was called a, oh, can I read my own writing? A percussion primer, it's called. And they left that in there. And usually those would be gone. So you suppose they didn't buy the, like, you could just go and buy these things, but they yeah. went, no, we'll make our own. And so they fired it, and this percussion primer gets stuck in the barrel chamber of, of the gun itself. And it's well, apparently it's called a squib round. So later on, they use that same gun for a scene in the flashbacks in the, in the house. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? When they, in the house invasion. Yeah. And so they use it for that shot. Now, usually at this point, it would go over to the firearms specialist. But the firearm specialist for this film had been sent home early for some reason. And so it went to just a regular production assistant. Now, he was unaware of it. You need to check the chamber of the gun before every shot. Now, if the guy had not been sent home early, he would have checked it. Mm. But because they've just got some random kid, or just not even a kid, but just some guy who it's not his job to do this, yeah. he doesn't know. So as a result, when they fire the proper blank cartridge, it pushes the thing that's already stuck into the chamber out, and that's what goes into Brandon Lee's uh, abdomen, and that's what causes his death so later that day. I never knew that. And it's just, and I think it's a good time to talk about, like, there's this concept that the crow itself is cursed yeah. as a film. And... Um, on day one, there was a carpenter who suffered serious burns on his upper body during like the very first day of filming. Wow. Um, there was a manual worker who had a screwdriver get embedded into his hand. Oh my God. <laughs> there was an equipment truck that burst into flames. A stuntman broke several ribs after falling through a roof. Uh, one of the riggers was electrocuted on set. Uh, a disgruntled set sculptor went berserk and drove his car through the props room, <laughs> destroying it. And a hurricane destroyed several of the sets. Wow. All before Brandon Lee happens. Wow. So I never knew none of this. Oh, yeah, that interview we saw on the on the set of, of The Crow. Brandon yeah. Lee just looks happy as can he be. He does, doesn't he? <sighs> and this is almost like Macbeth. Yeah. So, um, interesting. Also, Brandon Lee himself had a bit of a morbid fascination with death. Maybe his dad being Bruce Lee yeah. might be. But he actually owned and would drive around a hearse. Really? Yeah. That's weird. Which, of all the cars I think I would ever buy, I don't know if a hearse is one, no. but it was like that 90s kind of grunge culture, right? I'm yeah. not. going to use a hearse as a, as a residential vehicle. <laughs> I'm just going to drive it around. Uh, and so he would drive around in a hearse, visit famous graves, and listen to the doors. Now, as you go down that list, they get much mm. more normal. I don't think listening to the doors means you're obsessed with death. Even visiting famous gravestones, I think. Isn't but, that weird that Jim Morrison died at 27? He died at 29. Oh, that's right. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He missed Missed by one year. <laughs> so that is that. And because of this film, there are now much more strict rules regarding firearms on set. So what would happen now is you would have to, you'd use a tricky camera angle. So it looks like you're aiming at a stomach, but you'd actually be aiming like two feet to the right. Yeah. So even if it went off and even if a mistake happened, everybody would, would, would be fine. Yeah. But unfortunately, it takes sometimes tragedies like this to cause change. Yeah. 
So let's start off with what Liam called one of the great romantic comedies of our time. <laughs> I still stand by this. <laughs> I don't think it's a comedy. Oh, wait, wait. Hang on. It's a romance. It's a comedy. Is it a rom-com? I don't think it's a rom-com. <laughs> There is no meet cute. <laughs> no, <laughs> they don't meet till the very end. No, that's very true. Very true. I'm not sure I'd categorize it as either a romance or a comedy. I think it's got rom- I think it's got ro- absolutely romantic intentions yeah, yeah, yeah. or motivations. Yeah. Um, and so we start off, and um, we have a burning city because it's was it Devil's, Devil's Night. Night? Uh, apparently, it's set in Detroit because there oh, are a few references yeah. to the Motor City. So oh, apparently, okay. that's it. And there's a child's narration. And we have a crows. Uh, we tell that crows can bring souls back. So we're not wasting any time. We're explaining how the movie's going to work here. And so we have this nice, glorious pull into this circular loft window. And there's so much glorious red. And this gave us the color palette for the film. It's going to be black. It's going to have a little bit of accents of white. And there's going to be a lot of red. And so um, we find out through, oh, look around this loft, though. We have um, black and white photos. Uh, we, have, it's, we find out it's Halloween, and there's a jack-o'-lantern on the floor, and there's even a question of who gets married during Halloween. Yeah, well, there's a gorgeous white wedding dress as well. Yeah, so is this their wedding night, do you think? It's the, the night, before night before their wedding. Before their wedding, okay. Um, All right, because it's devil's night. The next night will be Halloween. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm not, I might have heard something years ago that was supposed to be filmed in black and white. It was supposed to be filmed in black is and that white. Right? Yes, yeah. it is. Oh, it okay. Is. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. they they're, they're, they're yeah. going to do that. And so we find out through some lazy exposition, there's 143 fires. And they go, oh, that's uh, four <laughs> less than last year. They go, well, maybe they got started late. <laughs> okay, we get this. And then two minutes and 19 seconds in, we have our first appearance of what they will tell us is a crow. But none of the crows in this film are crows. All the crows are ravens. Oh, okay. interesting. <laughs> Nevermore. <laughs> but at this point, I thought, oh, it'll be a fun drinking game. If you like, took like a sip every time you saw a crow, I would have not been able to record this podcast if I had followed that <laughs> idea. Because when in doubt, they just threw to a crow. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so up for doing that one day. Oh, no. <laughs> and so a little girl approaches the stretcher of uh, the woman. I can't even remember the name. Shelly. Shelly's being wheeled out because we know that Eric is dead. Yeah. Shelly's being wheeled out and this little girl and she's edgy and how do we know she's edgy because she's got a skateboard and an <laughs> undercut haircut. undercut haircut <laughs> and a hoodie and she's walking up and like all the policemen just like let her they go yeah. at first they go no no you can't go through there and when she ignores them they go eh, I tried <laughs> <laughs> and she goes to the front and this is where we meet uh through the little girl we meet uh Ernie Hudson of uh of Ghostbusters fame Absolutely. um and he oh, hopes he tries to hold her back, Officer Elbrecht, and then she says, oh, yeah, yeah, er- Eric will be fine, and Shelly will be fine, and she goes, you're lying. Yeah. And I think I'm doing a better job delivering that line than the little girl did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not like this little girl the whole way oh. through. Her line delivery, Marilyn Monroe in Some Like It Hot is saying, come on, try a little, would you? <laughs> <laughs> it oh, I was didn't dread- think she was that bad. Oh, she was terrible. I do like her raspy voice, though. She was great when she did the voiceovers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can sort of control that. And so much of the, the issues I have, I'm going, is this Alex Proyas as the director not going, not good enough? Oh, okay. Not good enough. Um, so, and then we it zooms out. We find out that she, you know, she goes, well, just get home, would you? 
and it kind of admits that, yeah, she's probably going to die as well. And then it just pans up and we find out one year later. And we know it's the 90s, and we know it's edgy because it's lowercase. <laughs> <laughs> We're not having any capital letters on one year later. <laughs> and Only an English teacher would point that out. <laughs> I'll just amend my notes to uh, get rid of the capital. There we go. And we get more narration from the little girl. And I'm like, oh, great. And we find out love is real. Nothing can keep, if, if love is real, nothing can keep the people apart. The next thing I've got in my notes is Nikki, the guy in the hot dog stand. Yeah, let's talk about the hot dog stand. So we have uh, hot dogs, and we find out that Ernie Hudson likes him some onions on his hot dog. And he believes the must. Now, this is, this is all, if you're listening to this thing for a movie review, great. But the real trick here is the hot dog tutorial, because I think it's actually important. You never want to put the mustard on top of the <laughs> hot dog itself, because that's going to like land on your face or drip down your shirt. What you want to do is you want to lift the sausage up, and you want to put the mustard on the hinge of the bun. It's trapped in there. For all Thanks those English it. people out there, we have no idea what he's talking about. This is a Canadian talking about Really? <laughs> so you get a sausage in the bun, lift up the sausage, put the mustard inside the bun, and then put the sausage on top of that. You know what my trick yeah, is? Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Okay. But, you know, we would never picked up on that. Okay. <laughs> my trick is to not use mustard at all and just have ketchup. Well, it's the same, it's the same logic. Better. But somehow mustard is the thing that always lands on oh, you. Because yeah. well, it's the hard one to get out. Like ketchup's, ketchup's hard enough, but mustard, you can't, it's, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> But the thing about onions, I like a lot of onions on my hot dog. Oh, my well, you know what that means. No. What does that mean? It means you fart a lot. Oh, <laughs> that was one where I went, that's a bad show. She just goes, makes you fart. And I'm like, oh, you're clever. <laughs> it's really interesting, though, having these two different worlds collide. The girl who's clearly being neglected and the cop who buys her, who buys her dinner. And I think that's designed so we instantly go, I like him. I think he's stayed with that connection with her since that day. Yeah. So, you know, he obviously sat with Shelley. Because we found out in the earlier, we didn't bring it up, but they said that Shelly and, and Eric are the only ones who sort of look after her, spend time yeah, with her, so and, now, and now she's alone. That she's not my sister. She just takes care of yeah. me, and so does Eric. Yeah. yeah. But how dark is the hot dog guy? He says, you know what this place needs? A natural catastrophe. And then he, like, lists all of these... Like, now, to be fair, I mean, if we're looking at this from like COVID-19, we're going, guy, come on. <laughs> but if you think it's inside the world that he lives in, we're like this super gang of like the worst thugs ever. <laughs> I'd be going, yeah, just send me yeah. send me a hurricane to destroy the property. Well, right? he like, give me quite something. a few, doesn't he? He's not, he does. not choosy. <laughs> he does. And then I have in my notes, this might be the most 90s movie ever made because we're now going to cut to the bad guys who are destroying an arcade. <laughs> and arcades kind of ended around around 94 <laughs> at guess. least in Canada they did I, don't I, know never, I never went oh. to them because at that point like home consoles got good enough that there was oh, no point yeah. going out yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> once, once you get to when, once you get to Sony Playstation for sure whenever yeah. that it's like it's 97 mm, yeah. once you get to that like there's no point going to the arcades no. really anymore so we have that, and then we have this weird Eric is now emerging from the right. grave and this was shot after he died. Oh, so it's why we get all the over-the-shoulder shots and point-of-view mm-hmm. shots from Eric's perspective because they didn't have him. That makes sense. So, but I was sitting there going, he was kind of weak. it was kind of like a, a, a zombie yeah. sort of thing there. And I was like... Hanging so, in a tree. And... Hanging in a tree. So when he like sort of finally does put it together, I'm like, oh, okay. Because I kind of thought it was a bit like, mm, I am the crow. Kind of makes you wonder how Brandon would have played, played that then. Yeah, I don't know. I think you they know. just went with what they could. So it's a lot of grunting. And, it's all, and, and moaning and until he finally kind of establishes it, his form. Then he's r- ridiculously well-spoken. It's a bit like the beginning of uh, Saturday Night Fever when you see the feet walking. Um, that's not John Travolta. That's somebody else. That's right. And he always says, you know, I'd never do that. 
what I mean? So it'd be yeah. quite interesting to see how Brandon would have emerged from the grave. I suppose you'd seen his face more. Um, so um, the arcade blows up, and we go to Eric, and he's got his shirt off, and he's just like in like he's somehow still his trousers though. I think. Well, yeah. I would like to use this moment to back up Liam, saying that this is like a rom com because I thought this was very Mister Darcy um, when he's got his wet white shirt on that's all ripped, and then he rips it off and he's topless. And I was like, yeah, this is a rom com after all. <laughs> and that was the only moment that I thought that during this film. Wait, you think Pride and Prejudice is a rom com? I was going more for Bridget Jones actually. Okay. <laughs> Because that's based off of that scene from uh, from Pride and Prejudice. But you know, like that that typical like white see, wet shirt. See, I saw him walk around with his like shirt off and like in the, like, like zombie. Mecha- I thought he was like a T one hundred from like Terminator. Yeah, and when, like, he's climbing up that side of that wall. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. But um, again, more point of view shots. We find out there's some crime scene tape, which means in the year that's gone by, no one has quite closed this case no. or even re- that's a glorious loft apartment if you yeah. clean it up a bit. Yeah. Um, and then we meet Gabriel the cat. And this is where we find out that when Eric touches things, he can use those to sort of see through their perspective or take yeah, the memories. It's through not just memories, eyes. though, because he can see other people's memories as well. Yeah. So he sees the memories of whoever he touches, but he also works with objects as well. Yeah. It's a little fast and loose, the rules on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also the idea of Gabriel, like this white, white cat. cat, and we're named after an angel. Interesting choice. I didn't pick up that he was called Gabriel. That's and then we find out there was a home invasion, and this is where we find out, this is the shot that, that I, I, I don't know if the actual footage of the shot that kills him is, you would hope not. Yeah. You would hope not. But it was this scene, filming this scene is where he dies, unfortunately. Although, would you want to repeat the shot? Well, you just, you use, you use a shot that you did earlier. Again, I'm... Because they did recycle some footage, which you could, because it's so, yeah. it's so like, you can't, you can't ground yourself no, in no, what's no. happening in these no. scenes. Which again, how does that shot, if, if, if he doesn't die, is that a bit more linear? So he takes a run at this glorious circular window that he fell out of. It's how he dies, isn't it? And he, he kind of reenacting. He reenacts kind of it, but he runs towards it and he grabs it almost like a, like a uneven bar or something like that. Yeah. If you were in the Olympics and he sort of swings himself up and then swings back. And then he looks at his hands that have been sliced. And then in like Deadpool style, we see them kind of heal up instantly. And we go, okay, here are the rules. He can't be hurt. Yeah. Not permanently anyway. And the CGI in too bad. For 94, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to the baddies. A real problem I have was how the baddies are represented in this film. Because it, they really are all cartoons. Very, they are cartoons. <laughs> and it's, these, it's these four losers who were the same ones who blew up the arcade or the same ones who uh, did the home invasion, including the rape and murder yeah. of uh, Shelley and I think just the murder of Eric. And as they... Um, and it's a really weird thing where the four of them were tight a year ago and the four of them are still super tight now and it's like they're just a group of four. Yeah. And they're drinking at the bar and as happens when you're not drinking with your friends, you all get your weapons and your guns out and you hold them to your faces and you're like, ha ha ha. Swallowing bullets. <laughs> yeah, swallow- just, just a novel. <laughs> just strange things. And we see the, the, the bartender come over, a waitress come over and she's a little bit concerned and says, take, you know, put the, put the weapons away. away. And then Fun Boy, one of the four rogues, just starts like making out with her, and you're like, "Oh, is this going to be actual character of of, of note?" And I thought, well, maybe not, because they kind of move on. I'm like, surely she won't be back later, but she will. Um, and then we go back to a bunch of flashbacks because Eric's just picking up everything he used to own in his apartment, and just sort of, which really just benefits us to catch us up on the story. And it's a really nice one where they're laying on a couch, and. Uh, I get that it's true love. 
I do. I can live with that. Is the the is this the singular most perfect couple ever? Yeah. Because <laughs> everything's from like a Hallmark movie. But she goes, I love you. And he goes, say it again. But you have to understand it's coming from the content of a guy who's lost someone in real life. And that's what you would focus on would be so those moments. It is the love you feel for And so this is where he puts on the face paint. Ironically, this is not him putting on the face paint. Which I'd never guessed before until this time. Until we started thinking about yeah, what you yeah. would have done, yeah. Yeah, and that makes sense with the smashing of the glass. You can't see the distorted face. And while we're on the topic of his face paint, which is iconic, uh, he really, Brandon Lee did not like the face paint as it was put on him. And so the kind of said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to have it put on and I want to go home and I want to sleep in it. Oh. And then that will look like it's been on there for a while. It'll look weathered. It won't look, because he felt it looked too shiny and mm. like fake. Is that what Heath Ledger did Heath Ledger did his own makeup. That was oh. the he wanted to put it on with his hands, so it looked more like the Joker would put it on. Yeah. And it's interesting because I saw, I think you did too, a lot of similarities between those two characters yeah. throughout Very this much film. So, and even the fact that in in the Dark Knight, Heath Ledger's hair is kind of all kind of bedraggled and I guess maybe kind of greasy or wet, and so it looks a lot darker than it naturally yeah. is. So even though they've got very different hair colors in real life in the films, they did look really think, similar. You think Eric Draven's hair was like dirty looking? No, I thought it was dark. Oh, okay, I thought I, th- I, th- I thought he was a glorious hunk of man. <laughs> no, it's like it's He's a like looking dude. <laughs> it's like black hair though, isn't it? Like raven coloured yeah. hair, but Heath Ledger's is very blonde in normal circumstances. Yeah, because yeah. you could like steal a cinder block and try and insert it into my jaw, and I still wouldn't have like the jawline that that guy had. I oh, know. Right? Jeez, Louise. <laughs> um, good Batman jaw. Yes, good, very good Batman <laughs> jaw. Um, and this is where, I mean, as he's putting the face paint on, there's a song about painting your face up. I'm like a little on point in it. The Cure? Maybe. But can we talk about how good the music was in this? It was so 90s, though. I know. You see, for you, you're going, oh, it was so 90s. For Liam and I, you're going, yeah. it's so 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and even the songs I didn't know, it just had that comfortable that, early 90s yeah, yeah. sound. I didn't, I didn't have a problem with the music. It just felt oh. really dated. See, to me, it was like, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But in a nostalgic kind of way, right? Not like a timeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Although, I, I mean, I would love it if music still sounded like that. I would. Because <laughs> until this point, no, I was it, it thinking... is a capsule, though, of its time. Definitely. Until this point, I was thinking that the film seemed like fairly modern, oh, really? considering I, when it was made. I, I wasn't. I was there from the arcade onward. I was okay. Like, no. I, I, I kind of, I must have been making a note while we were in the arcade scene, because I was like, what did they just smash up? But it just didn't feel that old to me until we got to this first rocky song and i was like oh that is really not modern and so the we zoom out from, from 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 that same bay window which is just a glorious piece of set um and the rain which is falling strangely just on one side of the screen yeah <laughs> i'd like to have panned over and seen the guy with the hose because <laughs> <laughs> if you're on the left side rain the right yeah. side it's like one of those freaky things where the front of your car is getting wet but the back of your car is fine yeah. and so um at this point I, was, I wrote down, I'm really glad I didn't do my own crow drinking game because it would have gone bad at this point. And so this is the first of the baddies that uh, Eric is going after. And it's Tim Tim. Tim Tim. Tim Oh, I thought it was Tim Tim, like tiny Tim Tim. No, Tim Tim. Tim I'll, I'll believe you on that. I'm that sounds more sure good. And I think it is as well. But he's I'll a, he's a scary looking dude. And he's got not, to be honest with you, he might be the most formidable of the goons. Yeah. Of, yeah. of those lower level guys. I'm like, yeah. And he's really spoiling for like, we just see Eric Draven like walking towards him. And thankfully, you know, Tintin's got no filter because he's just going to say whatever goes into his mind. He's like, what was it? Halloween isn't until manana, manana, which yeah. is a great line. It is Tintin. Tintin? Okay. 
And then he was like, if you're coming here, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, I like when he goes, I want you to meet two of my friends. They never miss. <laughs> never miss, yeah. When you think, when you threw the first one, you're like, okay, I've missed. When you have a little bit about it, you go, um, okay. Maybe I should yeah. hold on to this one and defend <laughs> myself. And there's so much, I mean, again, it's black and white. And then the red of the fire has been like amped up, I think, in post-production to make it look even more red. Did you also notice how Brandon sort of pounced past the fire? Yeah. And as they're getting together, he's trying to, and he goes, tell me a story. Yeah. And it's like, what's it about the woman who you killed? And he's like, yeah, so I killed some, some, some dude and some bitch. What of it? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you, you confess really easily. Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> but then he's like, tell me. He's like, no, I'm not telling you more. And he goes, tell me. And I'm like, that's very Heath Ledger is the Joker. Yeah. He kind of went to this like, kind of place. And you just can't help but go, you do wonder. Because we, we did The Dark Knight. We talked about his influences. I have a hard time believing that Brandon Lee in The Crow isn't among them. Has to be. Yeah. And we also mentioned that there was cinematography of Batman, um, Tim Burton Batman. Yeah. How there was very much similar feel to them. Yeah, there, there was a similar aesthetic to the way they presented yeah. what we call Detroit and what was uh, Gotham, I suppose, yeah. in the Tim Burton films, uh, the, the first two. Um, and I think you just look at it and go, um, that'd be a link. In my research, I found that we weren't the only ones. There were people who clearly oh, went, okay. there's a very Batman feel about uh, about the set design, about and even the representation, even of the crow in, in various places, yeah. has a very Michael Keaton Batman-y, the way that it was represented by Burton and Keaton together. That sort of out of the shadows falling, falling in that, yeah. you know, you don't see him coming. He's a figure of menace kind of concept. Yeah. yeah. So uh, then we go to some random. Uh, he, oh, he kills uh, Tintin with many knives, many many knives, which kind of became his thing. Like I'm gonna over, <laughs> literally overkill. <laughs> Which I don't understand because Tintin, he says, cheer my friends that never miss. Yeah. But then there's more knives in him. That's a great point. Uh, I think it's just the idea that there's more than that. Uh, is the, What am I looking at here? Is this the... The, uh... the director of cinematography for okay. it also directed Alice in Wonderland and Sweeney Todd. That's kind of uh, funny because the, Alice, sorry, Wonderland cinematography. And, Alice Wonderland and Sweeney Todd are so both, both Tim, Tim Burton Bert- films. Tim Burton, yeah. 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 <laughs> and Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't think that's... That's not Tim Burton. That's no, not yeah. Tim Burton. Is that the first one, or is it one of the uh, the trilogy? Oh, really? Okay. So I assume that means the first three. Yeah. <laughs> so, unless this is a really old article, then we cut to a rock concert, and when I say rock, I mean alternative, <laughs> <laughs> which sounded glorious. It was some 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 female led band with a nice it, big tattoo on her back. <laughs> yeah, and it was just. And speaking of tattoos on your back, we then go to the man upstairs, who's our big boss, who we haven't met till now. We had the four goons who did the home invasion and the rape. Um, but we haven't met the big boss. We go to the big boss. But before we meet the big boss, there is a naked woman in the shower. I know this because there was just an egregious ass shot of and, this woman. And there's a tattoo of a bird on her back. Yeah, just so she looks <laughs> exotic, I yeah. suppose. And there's no real reason for this shot at no, all. No. Like, none. None whatsoever. It's like, it's the, it's the early 90s. A villain, what do we give him? Let's give him someone naked. Yeah, <laughs> Should we give her a... F- no, let's introduce him to her body first. <laughs> Because they need to know that this guy's the villain. But aren't you really just rewarding? Or Because the, the villain's not in that shot. Just it'll work. Um, and so then we get introduced to... I've got him down in my notes as Discount Val Kilmer. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he really is. That's funny. It's like, what if Val Kilmer just grew his hair out really long, can't afford him? And his get voice. Someone, and, yeah. That's a Batman voice. It is a Batman. It's like when Val Kilmer was Batman. <laughs> it's like, all right, the chick's out the car. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I never noticed that before. And he's got a snow globe for yeah, some reason. Yeah, I'm like, what bizarre. is this? And so and then there's just this dead topless woman beside them. And they're like, oh, she was fun, but didn't have enough, you know, yeah. energy in her or something. And they go, oh, she beautiful eyes. And they and she sort of like goes towards eyes. it with like, and this is where it's the really long pointy. This eyes. is where his Asian half sister. Yeah. Because because discount Val Kilmer is not Asian. No. No. So his, his half-sister goes in with a knife towards him. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and did I mention she was topless? Again, is there a reason for her to be topless? Not really. None no. whatsoever. But we just want it. We, we, the other woman's dead. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? It's a 90s act. We need to appeal to that male demographic. Absolutely. Stupid. <laughs> um, and this is where we find out that Darla and Sarah's gone to the bar where we see the four misfits kind of hanging out. And we find out she's with Darla. We're like, well, what's the connection here? Darla's her mom. Yeah, but she don't, we don't know that's her mom to start with, do we? Not at the start, but I think at this... Cause, yeah, because Darla goes upstairs with Fun Boy. Yeah. yeah. And then one of the bartenders says to her, your mom's going to be a bit busy for a while. Yeah. And this is where I go, oh, shoot. Yeah. I really struggle with the fact that she's called Darla because it just makes me think of Finding Nemo. Is there a Darla in Finding Nemo? The little, the little girl at the dentist. Oh, really? Okay. It's called Darla. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. And this feels like a good time to bring up our other podcast, Talking the Mickey, for all your <laughs> Disney needs. There's far less nudity in the Disney yeah. reviews. We haven't done Finding Nemo yet, though. No, we haven't. I'm maybe maybe, we'll, maybe we'll, we'll make a crow reference. Can I just say, there. I never thought I'd hear the crow and Finding Nemo in the same sentence. There we go. <laughs> and then we go to a pawn shop where we saw earlier, I think it was Tintin was trying to sell some stuff to... Sell some rings Wow, you're selling something. Oh, selling yeah. something, yeah. Like and so we get the idea that the, the pawnbroker is not a good guy either. No, he's... And so in comes Eric Draven. Oh, Draven the Eric Ra- Raven. Draven, <laughs> Raven, come on. <laughs> and he comes on in, but he, he, he knocks, and he's like, no, I'm closed. And he knocks, like, swears at him. I'm like, man, you must be got, like, really, like, decent regulars if you can just, like, scream at people like this. But then he knocks down the door and he goes, uh, and he quotes some poetry from the Raven about, yeah. you know, did you not hear me knocking at your door or something like that? Yeah, he yeah. says, um, rapping. rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Yeah. 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 Which is I from, really appreciated that. as I learned when I watched The Simpsons when I was like 10 years old, this is from the Raven. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> lots of Raven references. Lots of Ravens. Um, which is a bit weird a, considering a, they called it the crow. crow yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a bird. And there were ravens. And a raven was a messenger of death as well. So. It's, is a is the Raven not a good title for a film? Why did they call it the Crow? I think Crow. If you just want to talk about it, just just the pure way a, a word sounds, Crow was a nicer sounding word. I, I think it was just James O'Barr came up with the Crow. Oh, that's a good point too. Uh, yeah. so so it, originally... it came from a comic book, so yeah, 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 it makes sense. Um, nice. and so uh, he goes in. And, well, basically, he stabs the pawn shop owner in the hand eventually after the pawn shop owner shoots him. Shoots him yeah. in the hand. Yeah. Shoot, is this the one where he shoots no, him no, in the hand? No, that's no. later. Where does he shoot? Oh, he shoots him in the, in the, in in the, the chest. In the chest, and he sees it. And he sees it. it. And, of course, there's a couple ways you can play this. And this is the problem with, um, to a degree, with Brandon Lee's performance. Is he chose to play all of the ways at some point during this movie. Yeah. And this one, he was like, kind of like, almost Deadpool. He was like, what? <laughs> Look at what I can do. <laughs> and then he, then he goes right back into, listen to me. <laughs> like stabs his hand to like the counter or something like that. And he goes looking for the engagement rings. And finally he's tossing them aside. He's looking for obviously the With ring. His eyes closed. He's looking for he's the, it. he's looking for the, yeah. So he can find the memories. Yeah. And he finds the ring that he gave, um, Shelly. I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly. And he throws the rest away. 
and he grabs a guitar and he says each one of these rings, he throws them out. It's kind of like, you know, these are all the sins or crimes or a life or whatever it was he says. Yeah. And he goes, I'm going to let you live. And the guy, again, this, this pawn shop owner is just like, are you scared or are you threatening? Because he yeah. can't bounce. I, I, once he, he please stab my hand, like I'm shutting up. Yeah. He says, tell him Eric Draven sends his regards. Yeah. 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 yeah he's gasoline spell. Anyway. So, but then finally he has to go, have you noticed I put gasoline everywhere? And so as he walks away, I smell? yeah, he <laughs> shoots the gasoline and the, and the pawn shop blows up. But the pawn shop owner, thankfully, managed to make it to the back door and just, just, and his legs were a little bit on fire, but apparently nothing else. Like the explosion <laughs> wouldn't have like blown his no. eardrums out. <laughs> like, he didn't even scrape from the jump, which would like tear you up. I want to know who was the guy who played Eric as that blew up. Was that a dummy that was standing there as it blew up? Or was that a stuntman? What do you mean? When he's like walking away from it? Yeah, and that's, all, that's always a great hero shot. Like once in my life, Isn't I want to it? walk away from a building as it blows up. It would totally like ruin your hearing. But I totally engulfed him though, didn't it? Yeah. You remember? So yeah. So, and then um, we have uh, this, the crime scene and we have uh, Ernie Hudson, whose name is Albrecht. Yep. Officer Albrecht. Yeah. Officer Albrecht. And then we have some like Weasley detective with bad skin. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of reminiscent of um, Guy Out Die Hard. Uh, Johnson Johnson. The guy who's in Goonies. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, got that same sort of feel yeah. about him. Bit of an asshole. Yeah, I kind of see Sorry, that. Sorry, can I say that? <laughs> no, you, you just did. It's okay. I, I always put the E for explicit when I upload these. <laughs> That's all right, then. And then we see that there's... Well, first time we see the, the sign of the crow. And the sign of the crow has been put on the wall yeah. in blood. blood. Um, and you get the idea that, you know, Officer Albrecht is um, is good at his job. He's very streetwise. Streetwise. Uh, much smarter than his counterparts because he yeah. figures it all out. Yeah. You can tell he's been punished for something and this guy's kind of lording over his power the whole yeah. way through. At some point, Albrecht and um, Draven have their first meeting. And he goes... Out on the street. You can't just kill people. And he goes, they're all dead. They just don't know it yet. Death is coming to them. And this is where I kind of have... Is this kind of like a weird, like, Taken movie? Like 20 years before... Yeah. Because he goes back. He's like, basically, he's got a set of particular skills now. <laughs> yeah, he's going to yes. go back. He's going to kill all the bad guys who have hurt his, his, his not daughter in this case, but his yeah, wife yeah. or his soon-to-be wife. And he's going to basically kill most of them in reverse order of importance. Yeah. As he goes through this crime syndicate as a one-man vigilante army. Um, and so at this point, then, we've got Discount Val Kilmer and the subjugated <laughs> female... That. And then some eye issues and some cocaine I have written down. Yeah. I've got so, bad guys do coke. Yeah. Bad guys do coke while the the woman is like cooking, cooking an, an eye. I didn't like even realize what that was. That was for some sort of magical powers. Now, apparently there was, an, there was another Asian character who was even more like ridiculously that, you know, magical powers of the Orient kind yeah. of type. And Brandon Lee went, that's far too much of a stereotype. You can't have that role right. in there. But. Having read that, I'm like, I'm stunned this got in still. Yeah. Because her whole role was like, I'm going to carve eyes out, and we're going to talk about powers and magic and how to get them. And it had absolutely no relevance to the rest of the film, right? Not I haven't really. missed anything, no. have I? And so... Eyes are a big thing, though, in the film, isn't it? The eyes of the soul. Eyes. Yeah. yeah but her my... eyes get taken, you know. It's... I like to come up and but that's not really anything to do with why she was cooking an eye. Maybe she felt because he he smells the 
you know, they, they kind of cook it, but then he kind of wafts yeah. it and smells it. It's a bit weird. Like that's some kind of... And he had very long, straight, stringy hair, which you don't know if there was a little bit of uh, borrowing from some other cultures in that. I don't know. Which there would be more later on when, once he gets to his weapon collection, but we'll leave that for when we get there. <laughs> yeah. um, and so then we go to um, Sarah, the little girl, is leaving her mother. Uh, and she runs out into the street with her cool skateboard. And she like is like moments away from being smacked by a car. Yeah. And I'm not saying I would have preferred that. <laughs> I think you <laughs> I, I did not enjoy this character though. And she's rescued by Eric. And to be fair, Sarah kind of takes it in stride. Well, she gets she says, Get off me, you freak or something. Get yeah. off me, you weirdo. Um then she has a go at the guy in the car and he says that like that crucial line. If it's me though, I think I'm a little bit more weird about the guy who physically restrained me and looks like a freak. Like yeah. I think I've forgotten all about the car at this point. She hasn't yeah. even looked at him at that point though, has no. she? She's still shouting. But when she does car. look at him, she then she's okay. Yeah. And then he goes, uh she says something about the rain. I wouldn't have made it if it rained, it's more like surfing these days. Yeah. And he goes, Well, it can't rain every day? It can't rain all the time. Can't rain all the time. And that goes she goes, Eric? Yeah. And well, at which point I'm going Wait, did I miss something? And the answer is, I haven't missed something, but you haven't told me it yet. Yeah, you're going to find out later. And I think that could have been reversed and been a little bit, like if I had... Yeah, I, I couldn't get that. If I had heard the song earlier and then I had the same aha moment when she has the whole aha moment, I think that may have been better. But if the film's been filmed in different sequences, they might have just referenced that uh, back and not really re- realized yeah, and re-edited it. It, c- it could have been a thing because they, yeah. they did do some significant sort of changes as a result. Yeah. yeah. And so then we go to Albert. Oh, by the way, I've just got again here. Sarah has terrible line delivery. <laughs> Eric, it, it, is is that you? Oh, it, it's more like surfing now. I thought she it's, just came across as an angsty teenager. No, I didn't find her line delivery terrible. terrible. <laughs> um, and so. We go to Albrecht. He's looking over the old case files, and he starts to doodle face paint on one of the. As we found out, but Albrecht doesn't play by the rules, and he's his yeah. own kind of cop, and he goes with his guts and all that stuff. And he's been punished. He used to be a detective, but now he's back down to working the beat, yeah, and eating hot dogs. <laughs> eating hot dogs. Um, Sarah's got a terrible mom, as I've got because she's upstairs with uh, Fun, Fun Boy, Boy. <laughs> uh, doing like. Injecting heroin. It, it, well, at the end of the day, it's not heroin. He says he it's says morphine. 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 Yeah. But you would think heroin. I would. You? I would think heroin. Even I don't know back in the nineties, it was heroin. Absolutely, it was heroin. Are the two was not linked? I have not no like idea. A, a censorship, maybe of who knows? Can you not yeah. say that? Maybe I'm know. sure you could say. I mean, censorship. It got an 18 in this country. I don't know what it got in North America. I imagine it got an R rating. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but either way, they get the fun boy and. Um, they go to shoot uh, Eric once in the hand, and he can look through his hand. And I quite like the bit them. where he sticks his hand on the gun, and it goes... Yeah. <laughs> and then the shot that we thought was the kill shot, which is where yeah. he's sitting down and aiming for his abdomen, but that wasn't the kill shot. No. I really liked the bit where he got shot through the hand, and I don't know if you guys noticed that the fun boy... Is that his name, fun boy? Yeah. He goes... I know, it doesn't sound like it should be an animal <laughs> name. Um, he goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that was such a clever biblical reference. Because he's been shot through the hand, oh, and it's like Doubting true. Thomas. I heard you laugh, the... and I did not know what was oh, wrong with that. I found that really funny. That so Doubting yeah. Doubting Thomas is the one that puts his fingers through Jesus's well, hands, the where the yeah. where the nails have gone through from the crucifix, yeah. and he doesn't believe that he's Jesus. And Fun Boy just goes, 
Jesus Christ. It's it uh, really clever. Come here for the hot dog tips. <laughs> Stay for the Bible lessons. Hey. I also like the bit how Brandon um, has got his back to Fun Boy and he's going, oh, 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 but you can see him laughing. <laughs> And this is where he kind of does a, a bit of a one man drug program with with a Darla da, Darla because uh, takes it to a mirror because he shoots well, he shoots Fun Boy in the leg and yeah, Fun Boy does. yells at him because he's gonna ruin the sheets. <laughs> he's ruin the but then it's weird because he can like extract amongst all his powers. Yeah, is like let's just have him remove drug addiction from people and like literally physically like, like squeeze he squeezes yeah. the morphine or heroin or whatever it was out of her body and yeah. I'm just going, well, this is a new power. So basically, I think he can do whatever the film needs him to do when the film needs him to do it. I think they were just trying to show that, you know, he's not out to kill everybody. He's just specific people. Yeah. And he obviously knew that Dala was Sarah's mum yeah. uh, at that point. And, uh, you know, because he does say to her. And he gives her a heck of a speech about motherhood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something about how God says, is motherhood or something like that. Yeah. And then he says, your daughter's out on the streets waiting for you. Yeah. And she kind of, and you see her sober up. You literally see her sober up before your eyes yeah. and like something, something hits. But I did like how, as we'll touch on later, it wasn't a perfect fix right away, no. which I liked. Yeah. Um, then Ernie's at home, and a, a <laughs> oh, nice yes. clever callback is, oh, Ernie's in his t-shirt and boxers, and he's wearing his hat still. <laughs> and to be fair, like when he's in the office, his hat came off. Like when he's having that whole speech earlier about how he's still going to work the beat and all that stuff, his hat's off. So why his hat's on at home when he's taking his trousers off? I have no idea. <laughs> But again, a comedy. <laughs> and you hear, and you hear freeze, which was a funny bit because earlier he had told Eric, "Don't move, don't move." Yeah. And Eric's like, "Aren't cops supposed to say freeze?" <laughs> yeah. And actually, another funny bit of that in the first meeting was, "Don't move or you're dead." And he said, "Well, if I'm dead, can I move then?" <laughs> yeah. But he says freeze, so it's a nice, clever callback. And they he gets him a beer, which was a weird thing. But I think it's yeah. the idea that he's trying to help him break to him what the rules are. Because I'm not sure Eric really gets the rules himself fully. No. Um. And so he says, you know, you're still wearing your hat. And I'm like, did you just leave that hat on for that? Of course you did. You just left that hat on for that silly line so he can come in and be, be the, the – and again, it was like, which one are you? Are you the deep guy? Are you the rage guy? Or are you the quirky comical guy? And depending on each moment of each scene, he was all these guys. Yeah, he was. It's a shame because it, it seemed funnier when he just had his hat on and his boxes and – you kind of just noticed it, but when they actually pointed it out but like that, I was like, oh, It would have okay. been great if, like, he was having this moment and it was, like, really intense. Then all of a sudden he rubs his hands through his hair and he goes, oh, shoot my hat. And he puts the hat down like he's embarrassed for a moment. But something that's a little bit more, like, authentic as opposed to just, you know, you left your hat. So they went, we need a joke here. I know, we'll have him have his hat on. Brilliant. I love it when you rewrite the films that we review. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it also funny how no one seems that shocked that he's back? They all take to it really, really easily. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they don't ask like a bunch of questions. Like me, I'd be like, what's death like? <laughs> I'm well, so sorry. Well, I weren't thinking that. I'd be thinking to myself, I'd try and rationalize everything. How can't did you be, survive this? It can't How be you. Did, you, did, you, yeah. did we, we miss you? No, no, wait. We, was it someone else we put in the ground? Yeah. But no, he's just like, I'm back. And I cool. Accept, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so yeah. easy with that. Because <laughs> the script needs me to be okay with this. So we're all right. Yeah. At which point then... Um, uh, Eric goes up and touches Officer Albrecht in the face, and he like instantly like takes all of the memories. Because Albrecht goes to offer him the, the file, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't go. To the file. He doesn't go for the file. He goes for the authentic experience yeah. and finds out finds out that Ernie Hudson was there for the full thirty hours in ICU. 
and he's like, don't touch me. And it's very, again, Joker in his sort of delivery. Uh, And then this is where it gets exposition through conversation, where he just goes, you were there for all 30 hours. (laughs) Yes, I was. And you did this. It's it's, it's such an easy storytelling device. Have him touch someone and then just say, I saw this. (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) Um, And then we have Discount Val Kilmer's now having like Hang on, no. One of my favorite Oh, what I missed. Oh, yes, it's a good part. Disappearing against windship even before well yeah even before that though so he starts talking about ernie says how ernie <laughs> albrecht is saying he's gonna be ernie hudson to me but albrecht is saying how he and his wife are getting divorced and this is where the, the crow decides he's gonna give some marital counseling and says yeah. i've learned that you know, i used to get worried about all the trivial things now i've learned nothing is trivial and the end of that scene was complete improv by, by both actors oh really yeah the whole nothing is trivial line especially was was 100 improv and they just kept it and it's one of that's that's, right. to me it's one of the sound bites that yeah. i really walked away with going it's one of the it's one of the good pieces of writing i wasn't that impressed with the screenplay overall but i was actually i really liked this scene oh yeah. like the whole scene minus yeah. the whole hat thing yeah. it's stupid yeah. but i, I really like the whole scene in general yeah. um and then we go you're gonna do the whole disappearing against the wind thing <laughs> No, I thought I'd use the front door. <laughs> Again, <laughs> which, another joke. At which point, anybody who's not around, you need to know that Liam kept trying to convince us this was a comedy. And so it's going to be a joke. Go, See, I told you, it's a comedy. I'm going, Is it? <laughs> I've never seen this film as a comedy until today. <laughs> it's, got, it's got light moments to it, for sure. Yeah. And so Discount Val Kilmer is now gathering info. <laughs> I'll never get over Discount Val Kilmer. From, uh, this is from the, the, the pawn shop guy, I think. Gideon. Yeah. And we talk about, there's a bit of an eye, uh, catch, catch an eye. What do I have catch an eye for? Oh, because they throw an eye at him. Oh, they do throw an eye at him. Yeah. It's gross. <laughs> and then he goes, and in case the movie couldn't get any more 90s, he opens up this like wardrobe case. case. Wall, That's wall it. Case. This wall case. <laughs> and it was like samurai swords. Not just like one, but at this point I literally looked at Liam and went, did he just grab a samurai? <laughs> Am I really seeing this? Like, this movie couldn't get any more 90s. So Discount Val Kilmer is talking to the guy from the pawn shop, and they're from the pawn shop say, going through the whole situation saying Eric Draven sends his regards. At which point our chief baddie goes, oh, you probably just, I don't know, you're not making this up. Like, this is a really weird specific thing with, like, like key names that he would have forgotten by now to bring up about his shop that actually did blow up. And he's terrified. He's, oh, he's, he's terrified yeah. of this guy. So why would he come to him and tell him this? Like, is this guy, is this guy coming on a Tuesday and this is just what he does? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, if not, but he goes, no, no, I'm not having it. And he goes ahead and he, he, he grabs a sword, a samurai sword and yeah. p- like throws it through his neck. Through his throat. And then that's not taking, that's not quick enough. So he just, I wish just die already. And he shoots him <laughs> yeah. about three like, times. He takes the gun off someone else, doesn't he? Yeah. And then we get some buffer music, and I went, it's like the slide guitar, and I went, this is the most 90s thing ever. Until I find out, no, 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 it's actually a guitar solo by um, Eric Draven, who's just decided, I need to, top of a roof on the Mary Poppins set, I need to (laughs) chim chimney, chim chimney, step in time, play a guitar solo. Uh, again, if you're interested in our other Disney uh, podcast, uh, Talking the Mickey, we we have we have actually reviewed uh, Mary Poppins. It's a good episode down at Talking the Mickey. Back to our regularly scheduled uh, <laughs> review, and so um, Eric Draven now shows up. Now it's weird because of the four goons, there was one goon who was kind of the chief goon, T Bird, T Bird, who had a T Bird, yeah, well named. And you kind of figured he was going through them in reverse order. So you'd leave T-Bird to the end. But he doesn't. He takes T-Bird out next. Yeah. And he, he gets behind him in the car, puts a gun to his head, and basically orchestrates a chase scene throughout Detroit. Now, we didn't have the budget for any of this. This was all done with miniatures. 
Really? Yeah, it was none. None of it was obviously it was shots in the car, shots yeah, in the yeah, car. Yeah. But anything that had a car in it from like a different angle was. And it was this point I think we especially went. This feels very Tim Burton esque. Yeah. Gotham Batman. It is, this scene yeah. here. And then uh, we kind of cut away a little bit, and he's like got like. I don't know if it's sellotape or if it's cling film and gaffer tape, duct tape, we might say in North America. And he like straps him to, like, this is overkill. Like, he (laughs) he, like straps him to the car, wedges his foot down on the accelerator, puts a grenade of some sort by his groin, sets it off, and then like starts like a fire at the same time. (laughs) It's like, it's like some sort of remote control thing. I think that's because after it blows up, you've got the crow symbol again in the, the water fire. so i think yeah. the i think the remote control is kind of linked like to some how massive Eric draven does this to... by himself yeah. it would impressive. take me a team of 15 people to orchestrate this would all happen at the same time and the best part was uh, in, in an effort to try and save t-bird um one of the skank. Uh, skank thank you steals like well after getting hit by some like little hyundai <laughs> <laughs> he somehow like, wins a fight like moments later well, like the guy is so confrontational <laughs> he's so confrontational but then one punch takes him out yeah. and he can't keep up though because it's, like it's like a little foreign car he says <laughs> and he can't keep up with the American car so they, they lose him instantly until eventually the cops T-bone yeah. um, Skank and his, his little Japanese import um, Skank is such a non-consensual such a, a non-entity part. He is. He just kind of at this point becomes kind of like the a last messenger. hurdle. The last hurdle you've got to yeah, do. You got to yeah. take him out. He's just annoying. He is. And so we cut. And finally, I thought it was going to take place in one night, but no, we we do get we do get a break, and we have morning. And Darla is making her daughter eggs. And what kind of eggs do you want? And Dar- and Sarah's not buying it. No. And she kind been of goes, there, been there, done that. She goes, no, I don't know. Whatever, Darla. At which point, like, instantly, mom's ready to go back to, like, injecting heroin into her veins. <laughs> yeah. She gives up. She folds so quick. Even uh, worse, she wants to throw the eggs in the bin. And yes. I'm like, dude, At no, which point stop. No, 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 over easy. I like them over easy. Mom. <laughs> mom. <laughs> Don't waste eggs. By the way, anybody who exactly. eats eggs over easy, what are you doing? <laughs> Sunny side up. I didn't even know what over easy was until no. you told me. How do you take your eggs? In the morning. <laughs> Um, With a kiss? Sunny side up, like you said. Sunny side up, yeah? Yeah. yeah. If you, uh, sunny side up, but nobody's here for like scrambled or I'm not big fan poached. Or... I like poached. I do like okay. poached egg. But poached then it's still, okay. the, it's still that lovely runny yolk. Yeah. I, to be fair, I think Britain's very much a sunny side up, yeah. full English breakfast kind of people. Whereas I think in America and Canada, you'd get people going, oh, I like mine scrambled. Oh, I like mine over easy. Over yeah. easy is quite big, actually, quite big in Canada. How is it? I don't know why. I think, I think it's a crime against eggs, but. Yeah. I'd say that here we, we very much do like the whole scrambled or poached or fried kind of thing. It's like three very separate options, but over easy just isn't anything that would come up no because that's something oh, yeah. unless you're pregnant and you need to cook them all the way through i think i think you can is that eat a thing or, i think so I don't know. you definitely can't eat runny eggs when you're pregnant i think really? you can eat them if they're if they're fully cooked huh. um but the only time i would ever think of an egg to be completely cooked through here would be if you have it on something like a, a mcmuffin or something where it's like kind of like a wedgie bit that's more solid isn't a it wedgie bit. <laughs> a wedgie <laughs> bit a wedgie bit This is the sort of stuff that doesn't happen when you're on Skype. (laughs) (laughs) Is it more solid, though, in a a McMuffin? I don't know. know. I'm going to Google it. Okay. I just know in Canada, you'd be like, oh, how do you like your eggs? And it's kind of setting that up over easy, scrambled. A Western would be an option. What's that? I don't really. It's a bit more hashy. It's got like, 
bits of ham and stuff in it. Oh, like, I think no, you pay no. a premium for it, but I'm like, no, yeah. I, just, I just want... Plus, especially when you scramble it, it feels like you lose half your eggs. Like, you don't get as much food, it feels like. If you're going to put ham in it and stuff like that, isn't that more like a quiche? It's close to an omelette. Omelette, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. this ends our <laughs> breakfast time session. This is if our you, breakfast club. A, a few of, hey, breakfast club. If you have any other uh, food-related films you would like us to review, let us know. Um, and so Ernie's been suspended because, you know, the guy's like, you're a rogue cop. You're susp- yeah. suspended for what? For, for, for finding out all the facts and yeah. actually dealing with it. <laughs> for properly. doing the job better than <laughs> yeah. me. You're, you're letting a rogue vigilante what, do what, like clean up the streets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible, isn't it? I know, right? Um, and so then we go to Eric and he's just burning stuff in his apartment. And I think burning it's, memories. I think yeah. it's it's for us as the audience to find another because I think they have to keep us caring about this relationship. But like we got so little of Shelley. Yeah, that's another thing. I I remember Shelley a lot more in the film, and yet watching it today, there weren't much of it. Do you think if he doesn't die, they shoot more stuff with Shelley? Yeah, because they're doing the flashback stuff last. Because he had three, he himself had three days of filming left when he died. So what if it was a bunch of stuff with Shelley? Yeah, true. and then all of a sudden, because I really felt that for me to care more about this, I needed to care more about Shelley. Yeah, because it's like you told me she dies, and you need to care about it because. Yeah. So it was a bit of that, uh, and then I thought it was interesting though because he very much wants to relive the memories but then every memory he relives brings him pain and I thought okay that's an interesting take and I can live with that but then Sarah breaks into the apartment loft whatever and uh, she goes you're not dead are you and at which point she goes goes, fine see if I care anyway you're supposed to be my friend and then all of a sudden I know it's you Eric and then all of a sudden he goes something like of course I'm here. And that's not actually him. That is a stunt double. I was going to say, because there's that silhouette. It's just a silhouette. You never actually see him, his face. I do love that silhouette. It's great. Yeah. And then she runs and she goes, I forgive you. And I'm like, you suck at acting. (laughs) That little girl, I'd be very interested if she's done anything else with her career. She hasn't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I looked up. She is dreadful. (laughs) I looked her up earlier when I was preparing for the age game and it was like, most known for her role in The Crow. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's that's it then. <laughs> and then we go back to Hot Dog 2.0, where Ernie and Sarah got to hang out for a bit, because God knows this film needed more Sarah. Speaking of food, I haven't been able to find a conclusion about the McMuffins, so okay. we're just going to have to go and get a If anybody there works for McDonald's, uh, please let us know. Mm. What's the answer to that? Actually, I go to work tomorrow. Maybe I'll go to McMuffin. <laughs> um, I have an if hour you get a McMuffin without me, I'm going to be really upset. Well, there we go. Uh, Hot Dog 2.0. And she, she looks at me and goes, when someone's dead, they can't come back, right? At which point I'm like, well, we, we, like we, <laughs> we, we literally just saw you talking yeah. to the dead guy. So I know you with it. If this is, is this your way of trying to be subtle with, with like Ernie? Because bit weird. Which one they all played the porn game? Have you met him? I don't know. Have you met him? <laughs> I met someone. I met someone too. I'm like, why don't you guys just use like, like names and make this conversation a lot quicker? <laughs> um, and then... Um, we go back to the Who tribute because Eric Draven decides he needs to play some more guitar before. Because if his goal is to like avenge my wife's death, at what point do you go, you know what, that was cool and all? I really just need to bust out some some like tunes for a bit. I think because they keep referring back to the photo of him in a band, the killing joke. Yeah. Is it killing joke? Hangman's, hangman's joke. Yeah, killing joke's a Batman. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, I'm referencing right. Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard not but, to, yeah. But hangman's joke, yeah. And I think that's the, the, the link in the band. Yeah. He was in that. Because he takes the guitar out of Gideon's, doesn't he? And it's weird. It's, it's, it's like kind of like his to... key prop. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I do wonder because maybe he can only do what he does at night. And it's the sun's kind of going down as that's happening. So maybe it's him beginning like his next verse, if you will. Oh, yeah, it could be. But then we get this is the last night because we know this because he smashes the guitar. Yeah. He smashes it and you're kind of going, okay, he must be almost done. And so um, we go back. There's like a United Nations of bad guys who are all <laughs> hanging out. And Discount Val Kilmer um, tells us that T-Bird won't be joining us on account of a small case of his death. <laughs> <laughs> He was both fantastic and dreadful all at the same time because he was like the most cartoony, like 90s movie villain ever. Yeah. Um, and so it's a board meeting and there's the shot of Eric Draven as he walks into the board meeting, which felt very similar to when the Joker walks into when he has like the magic trick. Ta-da. Ta-da. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was the same it kind was. of concept. And I was sitting there going, was, I mean, Nolan's got it. He knocks over the chair, doesn't he? And yeah. he sits on the table. Yeah. That's kind which of was, that was really interesting. That was a different feel to it. Yeah. I loved that. That was good. One. Yeah. Just cross legs on the table. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a professional wrestler called CM Punk who used to always sort of sit down oh, cross-legged dude. in the ring while his opponent came in. And I'm like, I wonder if he stole that from this. Because I've never seen this gimmick of I'm going to sit like I'm comfortable and not afraid of you guys on your table. Yeah. So really interesting. Um, there's a board. Oh, have I said that? Uh, Such an urge to get up on the table now. Oh, <laughs> and they all like, finally the bagger just goes, I've had enough of this. Shoot him. And like everybody shoots him. Shoot. And he falls on the goes, he goes, ooh, that had to hurt. <laughs> Again, the comedy. Oh, my word. That was a, I went, I got so bad at this one. I did not like that line. At this point then, Eric like regenerates as he always does. But they don't stop shooting at him. But he doesn't get hit. Up until this point, if someone shoots, it hits him. He reacts, he reacts to, to it. it yeah. At this point now, it's like he turned on, like he it's got a star in the Mario game and nothing can touch him. Yeah, because there's so many guns pointing at him and shooting at him. He's like earned a special move or something. He's got yeah. enough experience points now, but he's leveled up. So I'm like, do his shots hurt or no? Because otherwise everyone's missing. But where are their shots? Like, no one's getting hit by the other guy's fire. Which actually, with that many guns going off, some of them should have hit each other. Yeah. Um, and at which point, <laughs> um, Eric Draven says it's not a good day to be a bad guy <laughs> to, uh, what's his name? Skank. Skank. Because he does finally kill Skank. I feel like I feel like a little worm on a big fucking hook. Yes, <laughs> the skank tries to say, "I'm not skank." <laughs> yeah, and then he tries to disappear, and now every cop is. At, it's like if you ever, oh, you don't play video games. There's a game called Grand Theft Auto, and the more you play, basically it just always turns into forget the story mode. I want to like, commit crimes and see how long it takes the cops to take me down. Okay, and depending on how wanted you are, it gives you different level of stars. So if you go up and you punch someone in the street, it'll be one star, and like a regular cop in a car will come after you. But if you like, you know, kill a cop, it gets two stars. Three. If it gets like four stars, like they start bringing like helicopters and stuff in. <laughs> and this is what it felt like it was. It was like you've done a whole bunch of bad stuff on GTA, and here comes the <laughs> helicopter and the lights, and they're all chasing after you. And um, how does he get away? Albrecht. Oh, Albrecht, that's right. He goes ahead. Albrecht's like, get in. Yeah. And he gets in the car. And says, There's so many cops. You'd almost said they were giving away free donuts. <laughs> <laughs> at which point, like, the, he, like, stops at a red light or something like yeah. that. Yeah, like, got distracted. Draven gets out. Get out and go, yeah. I'm like, cry it out loud. What, what are you doing? Yeah. But um, at this point, we cut back to uh, the baddies. And the Asian half-sister has said, I figured it out. Kill the crow, is in the bird. Yeah. Then take his power. And they go, oh, yes. And they're like 100% in. And I'm like, it's a heck of a theory. But yeah. you're like, you guys are. And of course, the movie makes it that it is so. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's the way this works. And I'm yeah. like, 
really like they went all I'd be like you sure that's the only way because right now he's a superhuman zombie yeah so if we're wrong we die but they're like no we're cool yeah we we're totally we totally yeah. believe this and so there's a weird thing where Eric Draven's headed back to the graveyard and he says something like I'm coming home to Shelly yeah and a bunch of kids in like masks come around him yeah almost like Halloween. Joker yeah 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 where like all everyone starts wearing the, the clown masks yeah and it's like, has he become notorious? I missed that bit. But the masks are all seem to be very much an homage to him. No, I think he... He's happened to find four kids all wearing the same costume. He had a mask on the, the mirror, didn't he, when he was doing the face painting? He did. Was what, what he copied, wasn't it? Yes. I think it's just supposed to be like generic, just generic Halloween yeah. makeup. Generic Devil's Night makeup? Yeah. Because yeah. he has a good laugh at it and kind of finds maybe... It's like a happy moment. It is a happy moment, but a strange one. And then he goes to lay down and have a nap in front of Shelley's grave. Like hugging the For a reunion or something like that. And this is where we find out that Sarah's been hanging out there. And uh, Sarah says, well, you should have... Oh, sorry, for the record, I've got She's Terrible in my notes. (laughs) Okay. I'd love if she retweeted this. You were going (laughs) to... She got in contact. That'd be so funny. Please, actually, please if you're do. out there, please do and defend defend the role because I'll, I'll, I'll talk through you. If you're like, I had all these great ideas and the director wouldn't use any of them, please, I'll <laughs> listen to them. Um, and then we find out that you didn't say goodbye. And he, so he gives her the engagement ring because I think Shelley would want you to have it. Yeah, that felt a bit weird. Yeah, because he held on to it for so long. Yeah. And that meant so much to him. This token of his romantic love yeah. for his... It was a bit yeah, weird. That was. Yeah. It's more the idea that he's giving it to a young child. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's the thing. And then she goes, I'll never give it off. And if you're listening to this, I swear I said he in did. that moment, I went, in this neighborhood, she won't make it an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wearing that around her neck. And I didn't know it was... Uh, which point she goes, okay, I'm going to go sleep in the house. Like, you have slept in a graveyard waiting for your friend who's been dead for a year to come back. He goes, I'm really, really sorry. We ever say goodbye? I don't really know. Okay, I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> like I'd be like, let's let's what's being let's hang out. What's yeah. being deadline? Do you know where Shelly is? Exactly. Yeah. Can you stay? How long can you stay for? <laughs> She's just like, no, the plot needs me to leave now. <laughs> At which point they like she gets kidnapped by the evil bad guys and taken to a church. And because I'm just going, next to the oh, graveyard. Kidnapped by Tony Todd, a candy man himself. Is that right? Yeah. Which one's he? Is he uh, is he discount Lawrence Fishburne? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had Discount Val Kilmer and Discount Lawrence Fishburne in the same yeah, film. Yeah, that's funny. And um, so they take Sarah away, they go to the church, and they get the ring. Like, literally, it's like six it's minutes, off, and they've yeah. got the ring I don't going. think it was even that. It wasn't even that. I'm just trying yeah. to give, like, in, like, movie like, minutes rather yeah. than our experience. In our time, it was about maybe one and a half. Yeah. Like an absolute push. I bet she's six minutes gone yeah. from getting the ring. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the, uh, the half-sister says... Her eyes are so innocent. And this was good. I liked this because because of making the reference to eyes earlier, yeah. you know what she's thinking. Yeah. I was okay with that. And it's a child, yeah. but it's that same line we heard earlier. I'm like, yeah. okay, I can work with this. And this is the final boss battle. And somehow the crow lets Eric know that Sarah's in danger. She yells out for him. And somehow the crow with its powers and, and Link. Well, the crow sees. It's, it's like a transmitter, isn't it? Yeah, and you, yeah. he sees through the crow's eyes. And so... <laughs> There's a great line the bad boss, the discount Val Kilmer says, caw, caw, bang, fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, just the, 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 the crow doesn't, caw, 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 bang, dead. <laughs> I think that's the opening for the, for the podcast. That's great, week. that's great. Um, and so uh, we have so much black and white and red yeah. in this scene. And this is where discount Lawrence Fishburne 
shoots the crow himself. Yes, he shoots the crow himself because well, he's got like he's got like a laser sight on yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, we've got so much black, so much red, so much red, so many crows, and then Ernie shows up, and we don't know why at first. Yeah, I know. He just shows up and he starts shooting. It's like he's fully aware. He's been suspended. So what's he doing hanging around? I have, with, Cops with, in movies who have been suspended don't just sit at home. With, with his firearm. Yeah. <laughs> and not, not afraid to use they it at always, all. No. <laughs> they always follow the action. It's just but movie logic. Why is it? But why the church? I know. Which they do explain in a minute. Um, <laughs> they go, um, so the brother and sister kiss, just so we know that they're really, like, it was alluded to the whole film, but yeah. this is the first time we actually see them like make contact and we're like, yeah, she's, just so that we're okay with them both dying soon, I think. She's yeah. done a little like nose rub earlier on in the film, but And this is where we find out that Eric is not invincible anymore because he gets shot. Yeah. And he actually bleeds all over the place. Ernie tells us. I think his is, uh, You're bleeding uh, all over the place. Thankfully, Ernie tells us, You're bleeding. Yeah, it's all over the floor. <laughs> You're not inv- I thought you were invincible. Not anymore. It's like think just for the audience is clear, there are now for once stakes in this film. <laughs> and this is where he says, I came by to check on you. <laughs> Or to check out the graveyard yeah, or something, something like that. It? Yeah. it always just oh, pay, pay, pay my respects. Out, pay my yeah. respects. Yeah. So I think he's going to Shelley's grave to pay his respects, yeah. and just happens to go. I hear some commotion in the church. <laughs> I'm going to go straight to that. <laughs> and there was a great line though about thanks for getting me back to church. Yeah, <laughs> which was cute. I thought. Um, uh, then Ernie's shot, yeah. and that gives a little like, and, and 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 that's like a little bit of like a ah. Because there's a little bit of a funny cop joke there where he goes, you're shot. He goes, yeah. He goes, I thought you were going to let me take the lead. Well, you know, yeah. I th- thought I'd get ahead. And so then we go, oh, the crow. The evil lady So the evil lady Eric. is a face-off. She's about to kill Eric. And she goes, I have the power of the crow. Yeah. And then the crow like turns on her and pecks her eyes, out, her eyes out, which was fitting. It was. Yeah. I was like, that's she good. was very about eyes, wasn't she? So take hers. And that was very much karma, that. And you yeah. can't have, even 94, you can't have Eric kill her. No. Even though, you know, you could argue, should we be okay with it? But it didn't matter. The crow did the no, work no, for no. us. Yeah. Um, and then we have a rooftop fight that was very reminiscent of Beauty and the Beast. It was very reminiscent of Hunchback in Notre Dame. Where it's Shout like, out to Talking the Mickey, where talking we have reviewed that film. Yeah, I happen to know a podcast where people review Disney films. That's right, Talking <laughs> the Mickey. Uh, but it was like, we're going to have a fight. I mean, all it was needed was fire, and it would have been your Disney third act kind of final fight. <laughs> Instead, we get blood. <laughs> And so just when he's about to kill, by he, I mean Discount Val Kilmer is about to kill Eric. Kill? Re-kill? I don't know what the rules to this are. No. Get rid of him. Uh, he, like, grabs, Eric grabs his face. He goes, I want you to see what you did. 30 hours of pain all at once. And ah! thankfully he narrates what he's doing so yeah. we can understand. Because otherwise he'd be like, what the heck is going on here? But this is where I have a little bit of a problem. Because would that be him feeling the pain he felt or would it because he's not a nice guy and he doesn't care so no matter what he sees he's just like okay do you know what i mean so I don't, does I don't, he feel does does, does i guess the, i guess the, well that was the thing and that's because they're so fast and loose with the rules we always got they see what they see but do they feel what they feel yeah exactly yeah so when he touches the rapist is he feeling like his like like sick intentions yeah it, it's it's it wasn't clearly defined no. what the what the what the powers are, and that it can be transferred. Yeah, <laughs> it was like he could, you could have you could have some of Ernie in that opening scene where he could have given him something back or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. See, why does this mean so much to you? He touched him, and you got a little bit of a love, and you're yeah. going, oh, and just give me that so that when it happens later on, I fully understand where you're going with this. Yeah. But he throws him off the roof. He gets impaled through the stomach with with three spikes. The blood comes out of the, the blood comes mouth. out of the gargoyle's mouth. You definitely did like that. <laughs> I did. Um. 
And so, and it's important before we find this out that the villain did say nothing happens without my say so. Because I was going, why is he going after the big bad boss? I don't understand. Except for stealing the kid. Yeah. Like really, the, it was quite clearly then four guys broke into the house. Yeah. What are you doing here? But the idea being that, no, I authorize everything. So I guess he said, go rape the girl and kill her. Yeah. A little bit. Stretched. A little bit stretched. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so um, they go downstairs. They find uh, Albrecht. They give him a cigarette. Are you all right? He tries a cigarette, gives him up instantly. So I guess yeah. he's cured Albrecht of his smoking yeah. along with. He says, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm quitting smoking as of now, if yeah. I live. Yeah. At which point, he says, thanks for getting me back to church. Um, and I'm going, is he dead? No, he's not dead. Uh, and then um, Eric like goes and lays down by the grave, and yeah. Shelly comes out of nowhere? No, she doesn't come out from the ground. No, she's... No, just from a distance. She, Eric came out of the ground. What, Shelly, what was she doing? Was she just hanging out, having a hot dog with lots of onions? <laughs> <laughs> she's farting she as was, she walks. I, yeah. I think I was trying to say that she, she was gone and she was in that other world, but he was... In between worlds. Oh, okay, okay. I guess I can get on board with so, that. So, because the okay. crow come back for him, didn't he? Not for her. Yeah. And so they kiss, and then they're gone. But yeah. she doesn't get like a line. No. And then a crow brings Sarah the ring, and and the graves are all neat again. The graves are all neat again, and she does the outro about if real love is true, then nothing can ever tear them apart. No, it goes. Um, if the people we love still look out for us, the way to have them live on is never stop loving them. Buildings burn, people die. Real love is forever. Oh, real love is forever. So with that in mind, uh, that's the end of the film. How did we all feel about it? I still love it. <laughs> love, love, love it. It's really interesting seeing something that I probably said at the start uh, was was around when I was that yeah. age. Never got around to it and then saw it. I, I think maybe if I was 15 when, I, when it came, I, I would have been like, yeah. The thing is that still evoked emotion in me. There were certain parts of it where it, it made me cry still. Oh, right, still okay. made me feel. You know, I didn't realize how funny it was um, until I started looking at it on a podcast view. Yeah. You know, and the cinematography that I actually... I was actually enjoyed. really impressed with the cinematography. Yeah. yeah. And the whole digital bits, you know, for its age, still quite good. You know, low budget, you know. Was, I think I mean the most of it, yeah. You know, so... I mean, I think they had to add some CGI to it once yeah. once, once the tragedy happened. You can happened. see the CGI. CGI. Yeah. But you can forgive it for that? I, oh, I, for 94, I can totally forgive it for that. I was you pretty know? impressed with the overall kind of filmmaking aspects of it, like the, the cinematography and the special effects and things. I thought they were all pretty good. And there should be a big shout Especially out to the stunt men and women. Just so you yeah, know, I think so. That is a fantastic job. Um, I Especially think, the guy that filled in for, yeah. for Brandon Lee. I think any of the issues I have with the film are more of the creative process. Yeah. You know, the, the 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 directing, the screenwriting, and the line delivery are kind of my areas. Outside, I mean, outside of that, for what it was, and yeah. it's, it's a very simple formula. And for a film that was supposed to go straight to DVD video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when, yeah. Once I got straight to, once I, I we, we finished watching the film, I did a little bit of research before we came back on again. Uh, and I saw straight to video, I went, I can totally forgive the faults of this for what it was supposed to be. Yeah. And... <sighs> I mean, people saw it, so I guess it's. I guess it's the right thing to do. It feels somewhat exploitive. Would it have become a cult classic if it hadn't been? And I've got that question here, and it's a good place to talk about that. Okay, so we've compared this a lot to *The Dark Knight*. Yeah. No, *Dark Knight's* a fantastic piece of film, oh, but Heath Ledger becomes a hero and a legend 
because of the tragedy that yeah. befalls Heath Ledger. Similar situation here. So are these both situations where is the crow half the film that we know it to be if he doesn't die? Because if he doesn't die, we'd probably never talk about it. Because it just goes direct to DVD. Yeah. Like, no one shines a light on it, so you don't pay attention to it. And how much of the allure of The Crow is the fact that it deals with death and resurrection and true love? And he's, you know, he's engaged in real life. And he's Bruce Lee's son. And he's a little bit fascinated with death. Like, this is just a weird cosmic combination, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the perfect storm of yeah. publicity. Because if you go to the video store, if we go back to Blockbuster Video in the 90s, you know, what are you looking at? You Maybe you pick this up, but you're probably going for ones you heard about because they were yeah. actually advertised. Do so does this find an audience? It was, yeah, because big, big because because the tragedy. Yeah, and they weren't sure whether they were going to release it or not. No, like I said, Paramount yeah. bailed. Mm-hmm. And that's when Miramax said, we'll do it, and here's a bunch of extra money, too. Yeah. And as a business and I, investment, and I do believe out. they had to get permission from uh, Brandon's mother to do that. Yeah. Linda. So at the end of the day, that's your son's legacy. You wouldn't stop that. And we watched the interview where he said it's the best part he's had the chance to get his hands on to this point. And he was very proud, it seemed, of, of, of the, the work he was doing. Yeah. And if he's proud, he'd have told his mother as well. So. And I think it's important to mention what happened to the guy who shot him. I think you're telling me this. The gentleman who shot him, how he reacted to it. Yeah, he reacted real bad to it. And he didn't work for a while. Uh, it, there's a part of guilt, I suppose, that came from your weapon on set i suppose yeah and you know if i hadn't done that if i'd have done something different you play everything over in your yeah head but you're handed a gun by the people who are supposed to know better yeah. and are supposed to be responsible for this and said it's fine shoot i mean i mean it affected a lot of the cast how, ma- how many how many scenes in that film required people who had already used guns to shoot yeah. other people yeah. i mean you're told just, it's safe okay great go ahead and then you shoot i can't even imagine how must that i can't even imagine to finish it he said he was still waking up with nightmares like year, years later yeah and he's you know, never seen the film, which I would, of course, yeah, of course yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, because you know it's it's absolutely not your fault, but at the same time, you are the one who has pulled the trigger. Yeah, yeah. I do feel for the guy. I'd, I'd, I'd have a hard time forgiving myself, even yeah. though it wouldn't be my fault. No. And people would go, "Come on, it's not, I, I know," but still, it's my finger that that yeah. caused that. Yeah. Um, can we pivot on this? I'm, I'm going to bring this up because I think it's an easy answer here. How do we feel about the role of women in this film? It's not because it's terrible. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not showing a good light. Is there who's the most interesting female character, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I didn't mind it, but I mean, it's, no, it's not her, exactly her performance great is terrible. Role, is but as far as the role goes, it's it's something. Yeah, it's a then, little weird to have this kinship between Eric Draven and a, and, and and a very early teenage girl. Yeah, but then again, she she said that. Shelley looked out for her, so maybe Shelley was the connection. Yeah, and then having her was a connection to Shelley. Maybe, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, so I don't think like we judge him and go, yeah. "You're creepy," you but know, it's just, it's, it's a bit weird. I think yeah. the the idea of Shelley is really lovely. She's obviously a very caring, nurturing person. She's taken on taking this girl under her wing, even though she's not any relation to her, and she's looking after her. And you know, she's really fondly remembered, obviously, by Eric. But she hasn't got a speaking role at all. She's barely in it. Darla is a drug addict. And even Sarah's then, it's still kind of a, a sex sex object for, for for the boys to use. Yeah, and yeah. Sarah's just a little kid, and then we won't even go into the ridiculous eye lady. I mean, yeah. what is that? Or or topless dr- dead lady. Mm. Yeah. yeah, 
who even though she's dead and only shown for three seconds, you got to have her boob on. She's screen. literally <laughs> just there for a boob. She she's has very nice boobs, but I mean, what is her role? Nothing. Yeah. So, well, as a teenage boy, I, I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> At I mean, the time, apparently, <laughs> she had lovely boobie. eyes as well. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, ah, yeah, I just it's the idea of these women who but like shouldn't the payoff to hear Shelley shouldn't that have been a a big deal yeah and to hear her and to shouldn't she have gotten some lines shouldn't she have said i love you have them say say it again yeah, i love you yeah. like isn't that sorry I'm, I'm rewriting the film again but isn't that a better payoff at the end at least for that that would have been really nice yeah with, with everything that happened and how much that's been played with do you think they just want to get it done? Rather than... <laughs> in case the camera blew up in the last five seconds well, of the shoot. Like you said, maybe that was saved towards the end to do them scenes with her. Maybe, yeah. You know, and maybe she found it Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And for a shot like that, you need to have their actual voices and the actual faces. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So I, I, I can only judge it for what we have, but yeah. I think I would have preferred to have seen that. But yeah, maybe that would be totally be a, a pliable reason why why it's not there. Uh, favorite character? Start, use roll around. Okay. I, I I resonated with that character as a child. I resonate with that character now, and yeah, I just him. Ellie, Albrecht for me. Mm-hmm. Um, thought he was the most interesting role in it. Yeah, I loved Albrecht. I liked Albrecht. I thought he was great. Uh, I might go as far as to say, uh, there's not many. It's not going to be long game. So I wasn't going to bring it up earlier, but uh, his, his, I think this is his best role ever. I prefer Mister yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, do. I think he's actually got an arc. I think he's got character mo- motivations. I think he holds his own comedically. I think in Ghostbusters, a lot large part of that is he's the other guy. Yeah, he's done come until halfway through. He's he? with yeah. I mean, it's it's it's, it's Ackroyd, it's Murray, it's uh, Ramus, and then you kind of have him. Even in the sequels, it's yeah. kind of like he's the fourth guy. Yeah. Whereas in this, he gets to kind of be a large part of the comic yeah. relief and is a huge character in it. So yeah. I think for him, I, I like me some Ernie Hudson, and I was I was very glad to see. Um, just keep seeing him over and over and over again and be as big a part of the movie as he was. And he was our barometer. Yeah. He was the idea when he liked something, we went, that's good. When yeah. he disliked something, we went, that's bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, best moment in the film? <laughs> My best moment is the Morphine is bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> the one-step drug program. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why <laughs> as a child that was... And also like the bit before with the shooting at the hand and he's like, oh, 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 and he starts laughing. <laughs> and even even Fun Boy is like, kind of going with him to start with. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Well, yeah, because he's tripping, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and there's like little funny moments, but yeah, that, that for me. Ellie? I think my favourite scene is the one in Albrecht's apartment. Oh, that's people um, stealing my answers. <laughs> because we get, it's a bit where you really get to see Eric's personality, because apart from that, he has got that kind of, ah, thing that you're talking about where he just kind of goes and kills the bad guys and it's quite nice to see a bit of tenderness from him and his motivation for what he's doing and and his love for Shelley and that that bit where he kind of he feels the pain and and sees what Albert went through watching her in intensive care and things like that so it's a nice vulnerable scene and it's also a lot lighter literally as well as figuratively there's there's more literal light in the scene okay uh Actually, that's a, that's a good point. Actually, okay, yeah. um, I will echo that Albrecht's the scene in his in his place is the best scene. I'm gonna give it there for an audible mention. Use my time for um, 
the United Nations of bad guys. <laughs> Where, like, our villain is just turned everything up to 11 with the, that's gotta hurt. Like, it was so cheesy. But that, you liked uh, that scene. I did. Maybe my best moment would be, like, the bits with him, where it's so cheesy, but it's bad. But I'm also going, this is so 90s. And so I kind of gave it a bit of a wide pass. I really disliked that scene. That. Uh, best. Really, sorry, go ahead. I really like the iconic bits with him falling off the, the roof. Uh, yeah, there's the some good moments of that. setting light to the crow, making it symbol you know okay a little bits like that so actually that's my tie in where i'm saying sort of not maybe not best moment but best other element of the film and you might be talking about that that sort of iconography that yeah. is like that crow mystique yeah 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 i quite like that ellie anything like a, a, other part of the film maybe not, not on so much a story perspective but on a construction perspective um just the clever bits really with the like the things like the doubting thomas reference and the edgar okay. Allan poe coming in there i thought there was some <laughs> although the writing overall wasn't necessarily the best i thought there were some clever little bits in there yeah um oh i didn't mention this earlier just one quick aside there's a bit where skank is talking to the united nations of bad guys and he's kind of going over like the entirety of the film to this point <laughs> yeah and it was kind of like olaf in frozen 2 like <laughs> yeah. recapping frozen 1 for the audience shout out to talking mickey shout out for talking to mickey which you can find on fine podcasters everywhere <laughs> but yeah yeah, I, I agree. But yeah. I thought that was like a really funny. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's actually quite all right. Uh, I like the music. Music. The music grounded it in the 90s and also grounded it in this dark underground kind of culture. Graham Revell, did I say? Yeah. Who composed it? Yeah. Who also wrote, co-wrote the song that I really like, It Can't Rain All the Time. And that would be the credit song. With the credit song yeah. with Jane Sibbery, yeah. So um, maybe a bone of contention. Something about the film you weren't so big on. Um... Some characters I didn't feel needed to be there. Um, I didn't like Skank. I didn't like the eyeball lady. Um, even Tony Todd's character, the, the fake Lawrence Fishburne, he non-sequential part. He was someone who was just there. Um, I felt like the bad guys needed a bit more. So I felt like um, Eric got to them too quickly and yeah, I agree with that. You know, and that was over too quickly. I'd like to see them do a bit more and then... And he... Or have a setback at all? Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's like, he just... No, no real... through them. <laughs> no, no real opposition. He just kind of no. does what he does. Yeah. Which is very, I think, Liam Neeson and Take It. I think yeah. it's that same kind of concept. Uh, Ellie. Um, so I kind of have a big grumble and a little grumble. The big one is um, about how... Kind of like what you just said, there, there isn't really a setback. There's no plot twist. It's just very kind of simple, linear. I need to kill the bad guys and here we go, boom, boom, boom. Um, the little <laughs> silly crumple is that why is the cat still alive in that apartment? It's been a year. The apartment is all boarded up with like, just like crime the, scene, do not cross tape over it. Just like the crow is a symbol of death and return, the uh, cat is actually a supernatural <laughs> being. Of, it's Gabriel. It's an angel. It's Gabriel and his wife. Yeah, you know. But I it's like not. It's, but it's the maybe, cat maybe that was there to, all along. So it's just a cat and maybe, it's still alive. I don't believe se- there are enough rats in that building for the cat to may- just be foraging around for a year and still be completely lovely and fluffy but and gorgeous the, house cat. Yeah, but when, when maybe it went a house cat. Maybe it did go out and about and forage somewhere else. It was on like a top back. floor apartment <laughs> with the door. Maybe there was a sequel plan called The Cat, and it was all about Shelley's story <laughs> and what she's doing. It's just like right the wrongs on the other side. Sometimes you just got to suspend disbelief. I like having The Cat. Um, I'm going to go for mine. I'm going to say, I'm going to blame the director. 
uh, I think as far as getting the aesthetic right, I think um, he nailed it. But I think as far as uh, the screenplay wasn't great. A lot of the lines are bad. Uh, and I think he didn't get the most out of his actors. I think you see it, especially in Sarah. And I think you see it with the fact that um, Brandon Lee couldn't decide on maybe believable moments to pivot on his character. Yeah. He's just a little bit too... Half the time he just felt like he was just a little bit too happy to be there. <laughs> it's a dream role. I guess so. <laughs> so that would be my issue. Uh, large parts felt unbelievable to me. And I, th- I I blame that to a combination of creative elements. And eventually that has to fall at the feet of the director, I think, before anybody else. So um, with that in mind, all that's really left is, oh, we've got a very quick age game. A very, very quick age game. Age game, let's play the age game. We have. I think we just have two choices today. Yeah, because we already know how old Branson Lee was um, Mm -hmm. because of, you know, the whole context of how he was shot during filming. So I believe that was 28, wasn't it? It was. 65, didn't I? Oh, every time he was 65, I was like, uh. No, no. Uh, So I've just looked at Albrecht and Sarah. So we'll start with Albrecht. I'm going to say 45. I'm going to go 40. 49. Wow. He's a young looking man. He is, isn't he? Yeah. And Sarah? I'm going to say... I'm going to choose 40 again. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> Sarah's younger than that. Gee, Sarah is 13. She's 14. Okay. I question, my thought about that was, what, what would be different if you'd age Sarah up? Not like... Age the actress up, a chosen an, an older oh, actress. Yeah. If she's fourteen or fifteen, and now she's learning, it's not she's not as vulnerable, but she's learning lessons. She's at a pivotal age about the impact of what this could do to her. Yeah. Does that change things? I think it was just too much of a, you know she was too young to be doing the things to be as edgy as she was. But that's why I thought she was seventeen. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just it's the skateboard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which, which she loses halfway through the film. <laughs> and she takes everywhere with it to start yeah, with. No. Like she had it like that, and like a year later, it's the skateboard's the first yeah. thing we see. Like the introduction of that character actually was the skateboard. Skate we see someone yeah. kick the skateboard up, and then we see her come through. Um, What about, oh, I guess it's just ranking time, isn't it? So ranking time, where does this go out of 10? Liam? Nine and a half. Really? Wow. I love this for, film. For like all his warts. For all its warts. Wow. I don't think that would be the film it is without the warts and all. Okay. Oh, um, you can't take itself too seriously, this film. No. 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 Um, I think I like the cheesy Val Kilmer bad guy. Um, <laughs> I, with his deep voice and everything, long hair. Um, it's very 90s, stuck in that time. There was played with a lot of problems. It's supposed to be straight video with cinema release which which all nine and a half out of tens are <laughs> i have a special love for this film that's fine and i know that my friend carl also has a special love for this film he also works at retro records and toys, retro records and toys. <laughs> no i will defend this film to the hilt um because it means so much to me if i didn't watch it as a teenager and have that background of who brandon was and yep. everything else and all that and i watched it today as an adult maybe I wouldn't feel the same. Okay. Uh, but for me, maybe there's a lot of nostalgia in there. But to me as a teenager, it called to me. There's certain aspects of it I really loved. Um, and even now as an adult, when I watch it, I still revert back to something. Like I said, it still made me cry after all these years. Yeah. It still made me feel something. And I like a film that makes you feel something. Okay. So, yeah. It made me feel something. Uh, <laughs> Ellie, what did it make you feel? Um, I didn't dislike it, but it was just a little bit too simplistic in its plotline for me, I think. 
So I've given it a six and a half. Okay. Uh, it's a revenge film, and it's it revenge pretty revenge. basic, and uh, I really hated one of the characters, as I'm yeah. sure you picked up on that. <laughs> And unfortunately, but unfortunately, Sarah's uh, supposed to be an important character, and that was um, difficult in many ways. She's the innocence of the characters, and Albrecht is like the kind of weathered experience. I understand what you mean. You don't feel for her, not at all, in any way, not at all. I, I totally agree with that. And shouldn't I care about the little girl yeah, who's being like you yeah. know neglected by her mother and is out there? Didn't care at no, all. I know. Uh, I'm gonna go six. Yeah. Sorry, a bit, a bit frosty. It, it wasn't a fi- I wouldn't say it's a bad film. I'd it's, say I, I don't regret watching it, which, you know, I know. Um, I think if you get to the area where you get below five, you have to start saying this is a bad movie. This isn't a bad movie. Um, I think it's just got elements that would stop me from saying it's like a, it's something you should definitely rewatch. I just think it's I saw it. I It, it was all right. Yeah. Um, I know I gave it a nine and a half. A lot of that is nostalgia and how I feel about the movie. Um, is it better than The Dark Knight? Probably not. <laughs> but like everybody who's downloading yeah. this, you're the only one who's wrestling with that decision. Everyone else is screaming, no, yeah. no, it's not. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Uh, look, people, I know, right? Well, I have such a fondness for this film. I'm sorry, but I'm sticking with my nine No, it's totally, that's, that's why you get to bring certain ones to the table, yeah. Yeah, this is my wild card. Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason why it's my wild card. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more attached to it than just, I mean, we're saying just for anybody who's who's not. What do you mean by wild card? Is that we've got parameters that films generally have to hit, but every year we're allowed to bring one film that doesn't meet those parameters, and we just go. I want to review this one. This is my this is my one call for the year where we're going to review it. Yeah. And it was Liam's, and I don't regret seeing it. Far from it. I, I'm, I'm quite glad to have seen it, yeah. especially because it was like this this black hole in sort of like my '90s nostalgia film kind of uh, reservoir. And so I'm glad I've seen that and not seen Reservoir Dogs. Kind of a funny thing. And the soundtrack is such a great soundtrack. It as is. Well. And uh, the one thing is, um, uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I forget what the name of the song was now. Dang it, wins. MTV Movie Song of the Year. It's the oh, one really? award this film won was the MTV Movie Song of the Year. Wow. So that just leaves us to talk about what we are going to be watching next week. Ooh, which is? And I said, is this the most 90s film ever? I think next week's selection may just pip this for the title of most 90s film ever. Okay. We are going back to 1995, one of the magical years, I actually believe, in the history okay. of filmmaking. We're going to debate class. We're Clueless. Lo- we are watching Clueless next week. I knew. I thought when you said, is it the most 90s film ever? I was like, oh my God, it's Clueless. And then you said 95 and I thought it was earlier than that. Nah, but, oh, that's 95. so exciting. 25 year anniversary of Alicia the Silverstone, Silverstone, Paul Rudd, and people who would become young Hollywood in yeah. the next 15 years. Fantastic. In Clueless. And this so. is going to be a repeat performance from one of our actors as well. Yes, Wallace Shawn is going to be oh. on both of them. Who you might remember is Vizzini from uh, from Vizzini Princess from Princess Bride. Bride. He was the he was oh. the guy who had like the iodine powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inconceivable. I cannot choose the cup that's in front of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he is the teacher that's right. uh, yeah. in in the film. So he's and he's very good in it and sweats less. So <laughs> that will be very much a good. I haven't seen Clueless for so long. This is really exciting. I love Clueless. It's a completely different genre to what we've done so far. So it's the first kind of of, it's the first teen film I think that we've uh, apart from Breakfast Club tackled. Uh, 
you had a massive thing oh, no, about no, no, how no. Breakfast Club no, no. was the first so I was, movie. I was, multitask- I was multitasking, trying to think of something else. And so I was pausing, going, no, of course it's a teen movie. Yeah. It's, it's a different kind of teen movie, though. This one's like this chick one's very, flick teen movie. This one's very light. Yeah, this yeah. is like rom-com meets teen movie, whereas John Hughes was trying to be like angsty, the first yeah. angsty teen movie. This has more in common with like a Ferris Bueller yeah. than it does with like a Breakfast Club. Bubblegum teen thing. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just, it's just a feel-good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So... Uh, please join us next week when we tackle Clueless for Best Film Ever. I've been Ian. And I've been Liam. And I've been Ellie. And if you're sitting there going, come on, guys, some of the stuff you went on about today, it's something you're making a big deal about, something that was rather trivial. We just want to remind you that when it comes to films, nothing is trivial. <laughs> we'll see you next time.